0: pissing me off today. All right.
1: Yeah, I've been in a bad mood all week.
0: Yeah, dude, me too. Real bitch. Yeah. Real bitch all week. It's <laughs> the point where like I had to go back and look at some grades and be like, was I too much of a bitch? Like was I just in a bad mood? I wasn't. I was actually really generous.
1: Yeah.
0: It was raining a lot, too. Raining a lot here
1: doesn't rain here (laughs) yeah i know doesn't rain although it did rain on election day here yeah that was like a news story here because it like rained
0: i uh we got this like game from uh like we my husband and i play a series of games called the Rusty Lake games
1: The fuck yeah. is that?
0: And they're like escape games Basically but they're like Via an app uh, and So you can do this like two player thing And so we bought this game And we get through the first chapter We're like fine Okay we're done for the day We're gonna stop here We'll pick up on chapter two They're usually like intended to be kind of creepy Yeah man And, um, we go to play it the next day and it's just like stuck on like this part of chapter one that we already played. Neither Uh. of us can press anything. We have to reset it. And we're like, all right, we're just going to blow through this chapter. So already like everything's kind of boring. It kind of sucks because we've already Uh. played it. Like there's no scares in it for us. There's no mystery. And we're just like skipping steps and whatever and we get to the next chapter and like I'm getting real frustrated first of all he's telling me he has to do this thing where he has to like r- tell me the times on like a- an analog clock basically uh-huh. and it's like it says something like nine o'clock for one of the hands and he's mm-hmm. like I don't know like seven thirty. and I'm like dude can you not can you not are you having trouble with clocks it's not uh-huh. a deal but yeah we get to the end of this chapter and it's like you're done and we were like oh, are you fucking kidding me we each, we each just paid like four or five bucks to pay, play like you know maybe a 2 hour game i was like that's bullshit yeah okay, so that's what you get
1: have to uh write an email to the devs to the to the devs department dude yeah be like I'm uh so what's going on with your shitty shitty software
0: This is a terrible. I mean, it's supposed to like have a story to it. It's like this is a terrible story. I mean, it's fine. It would be fine if it were like. I don't know. Whatever. I was disappointed. I was just really, really disappointed.
1: Disappointment. Very familiar with the feeling.
0: (laughs) But I'm also bad at being a team player, so it's probably for the best just bought the other book of hers that I wanted to read too. Which one? Wonderland. Oh
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to read that as well.
0: And I also bought...
1: Doing Baby Teeth by Zoja Stage.
0: I think it's Zoya.
1: Zoya. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stog. <laughs> Zoya Stog.
0: Yeah, uh, it's spelled like Zoe with a J in it. Z O J E. Uh, yeah. Stage.
1: Yeah, and uh I guess we'll do. The little so this book came out in 2018, I believe, and this was her first book. Uh, And since then, like we talked about, with like some of the other books she's put out, she's pretty much put out like a book a year since she got her uh, break with this one. And which you like to see, I like to see. Uh, And this one was originally published in the U.S. by St. Martin's Griffin, right? So St. Martin's Publishing Group, yada yada, Uh, hardcovers. Yeah, we don't need to get into that. So. St. Martin's Press, we have the same edition, 2018 edition. Oh, I guess the paperback was first in 2019.
0: Yeah, I have the hard. I have the hardcover. Oh, you have the
1: hardcover? Okay. I have paperback. So it was the page cheaper. numbers Yeah, page numbers should be the same. Uh shit, okay. Housekeeping before we start. I'm really out of it here. Haven't had as much haven't had enough coffee this morning yet. Or nicotine, or any of the other stimulants I do daily. Um, we're working. I've had some time. Yeah, I've
0: had some time to adjust. We're uh,
1: we're st- we're still looking for workshop horror stories. If you have a workshop horror story, send that to podcast at gmail.com. For those that don't know, we also have a subscription plan. You can subscribe to uh, at patreon.com slash heavyboard. Receive full, uncensored episodes for subscribers only. Bonus episodes. We have a couple cool bonus ones up there. You can check those out. Uh, If you can't afford that, don't want to, you can support us in other ways. You can check out and subscribe to our YouTube channels for more. Like, share, subscribe on any platform where you get your podcasts. Uh leave us a five star review on Apple that helps us out. So there are plenty of ways you can support us. Please support us if you like this. Uh and that's it. That's it for housekeeping.
0: Deliciously creepy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did see that this one was published under a couple titles. I don't know uh if it was Oh, pu- is it? I saw like one version was called Bad Apple. I don't know if that was like a different version, but it was the same book. Oh, okay. Uh, just different language? I don't even know. But it was just called, like, Bad Apple.
0: Because I think, like, the one of the books that I just bought, not by the same author, but one of the authors that we have on our list, I think her name is um, Layla Slimani, the French author. And I think her book came out in French as The Nanny, but is out in English as The Lullaby. So it just might be translated, or that's a, that's is what it originally? Because is this is originally in English, isn't it?
1: I think so. I think she's American. Like I think she's like of Swedish descent or whatever, but I think she's like American. And
0: I mean, she well, yeah. I mean, she lives in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, but,
1: but... I think like her parents might be immigrants or something. Oh so. yeah,
0: I mean, God, Zoya. I hope there's yeah. something, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At least her one of her parents, yeah. Something a
0: like cool that. name, you know. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a translation.
1: Yeah, I saw that. And then I, that's what I saw. Like, I, when I looked it up, I was like, yeah, it looks like she's put out since she got her break. With you know, we, we talk about this on this podcast all the time. Sophie and I are in that position, literally struggling to get that little fucking break that everybody needs to get in there. Uh, I'm sure she was struggling, you know, to get this book out there and finally yeah, got out there. You should
0: also say, like, fiction is like, you know, a probably a sort of a different struggle poetry yeah. right they're both hard but different
1: fiction you just get more reward when you break through there yeah. on that side but uh and so she's put out about a book it looks like almost about a book a year since she's done this which i applaud i say good yeah. good for zoja like yeah it's good on that books this that book, are
0: doing really well
1: yeah and and it's good i want to talk about this as we get into it here well fuck it we'll talk about it now where it's like this like this thing overall like you know it was it's a pop book it's kind of a pop book, but it has literary ambitions. Like it's well oh, 100%. written, yeah, and it has. It doesn't have kind of superfluous or corny little stuff that you would see in a lot of pop fiction like this. So I'm glad she's doing well, and I'm glad yeah. that her books, like she's popping them out and she's putting just elevating that pop book like elevate it you know yeah, make and it I wouldn't, better yeah
0: I, yeah and i wouldn't say you know I mean, we we've talked about this i'm sure we'll talk about it more today but you know when we say um it sort of aspires to the literary and maybe it like you know maybe we're being assholes for saying that and she's like fuck the literary i don't fucking know but i, I
1: don't think so yeah but I, I either think it's way it's clear yeah
0: regardless i think uh you know it's not like oh, it's the language is like beautiful or right. like super figurative or anything like that. Like that's right. not necessarily what we mean, though. That can be part of it, um, but it could just be like in terms of themes and.
1: Um, I think just in know, terms just of writing literary yeah.
0: devices. Yeah, it's really well written. And um, even if
1: she wasn't aspiring to that, it's just better written than most pop stuff like that I pick up. Like even the big like yeah. I, just, I just read a Dean Koontz novel. I'd never read him before, and you know, the writing's not good, like it's not good. this one is actually like there's an attempt to elevate the writing. It's not just you know shitting out a story, yeah, so I do appreciate that, but I guess like initial thoughts we're already talking about I think it, but...
0: I would say from what I've read of Stephen King, I think her writing is tighter than Stephen King
1: yeah, it is it's tighter uh stephen king we talk about this all the time is because like I, stephen king gets shit on in literary circles but obviously in other circles he's huge and one of the yeah well he also has like that kind of
0: raw thing you know that yeah. people like and that's and not the there's same
1: like thing. there's like corniness there's like little bits yeah. and he has that kind of thrill he's i always say this and we we talked about this on our stephen king episode listeners you can go back and l- listen where he's a story guy like his is all about the story and i don't mean the writing i don't mean like all the other stuff it's just like the thrill kind of suspense story like he's he's one of the best at that even if the writing style isn't that good and things like that but like the story just pulls you through like he just has this way about pulling you through these kind of exciting little pop thrillers uh, with like like we said on that king episode listeners like occasionally they'll be wow that's a little beautiful sentence right there you know like he's still like there's still that aspiration but this is a recurring theme on this podcast listeners those that listen will know right like we always are curious fascinated and you know the ever-changing kind of aspect what separates pop and literary uh why is there that divide you know we don't have to get into that today but reoccurring a theme on this podcast because we love books we love all books we don't uh we'll read whatever but yeah we're still talking initial thoughts what did you think
0: Thought it was great i thought it was a page turner there are things about it that i thought were kind of silly <laughs> um really really minor minor things uh i'm sure i will spend a lot of time making it sound like it's something like egregious and made me want to put it down but it didn't i really had fun i instantly uh bought her second book um, as soon as I finished this one uh, it was a fun fun little psychological thriller uh, and I don't always and I am especially skeptical of books that use a child point of view um, I tend to have a rough time connecting with that
1: same yeah
0: um but when it's done well it's done well you know like mm-hmm. i mean i say that but then every so often you read a book that's in a child's perspective and again when we say child's perspective it's like that's pretty loose right because it's not written in a way that w- you would think like a child really thinks this way and he thinks in these words it's just sort of it you know indicates that this is like how a child thinks right it uses some of the words but definitely you know there's an adult behind it and we know that Um, but it also makes it much more engaging for us as adult readers
1: yeah there were a few things and and i usually we've talked about this on every time we've done a pop a more poppy kind of book or you know a bestseller style book literary books rarely get to that level um there's a little inconsistency in the child p o v we talked about with King how good he is at doing the child p o v and making you feel like it's a child's uh rationalizations There are parts where she i think uh it's done really well in this, and there are parts where it's a little like you know it sounds like yep. a sixteen seventeen year old <laughs> like kind of thing, but yeah you know
0: i mean or it sounds like a straight up adult <laughs> you yeah know, it but, like so i I would agree with that i think that you know. Um, I do think Stephen King is kind of a master of this, but I thought it was done pretty well here for the most part. Yeah,
1: it was. But yeah, just a little. And you know... Because it's a it's it's more of a pop bestseller type type book, you can forgive that a little bit because the story starts to move. Like we talked about this on our King episode, we talked about this on the Twilight episodes, listeners. You can go back and listen to those, and you know we have many more kind of these pop bestseller styles that we plan to get to eventually. But you know, and listeners, if there's anything you want us to check out, you know, please put it in the comments, send us an email. We love hearing from you, and uh, we love taking our listeners' suggestions uh, for books to read, things like that. So. Let us know. But yeah. Overall, yeah, I liked it. Overall I liked it. I read it pretty quickly. Um little moments, like a little lackluster in certain moments. I expected it to maybe because it was like the marketing was so hyped up. Like I was like, Oh, it's disturbing. Like this is a disturbing yeah. book. And then I read it, I was like, Well, it's not as disturbing as some shit I've read. Like but uh
0: And you know, thriller that comes with some weight too. I mean yeah kind of loosely though like i feel like we sort of will call anything that is horror but not gory a thriller um
1: it's one of the biggest seller markets so if you're not writing romance and you're not writing thrillers and you're not writing horror like you're not getting published i guess sci-fi for that in there too but sci-fi kind of overlaps with the thriller horror thing but
0: Yeah, yeah there were there were things i wanted more of in that regard but
1: But it does, and this is where I get into like the literary aspirations, is that it does have a little more literary aspiration where you aren't expected to have these big kind of gory scenes, these kind of what you would see in pop novels. So I think this does, yeah, this does straddle a line pretty well, I think. And I was impressed with how well it straddled the line. So like I always, like I said already, I mean, good for Zoja, good that she's getting this recognition good that she's elevating the pop genre a little bit like i mean yeah keep doing it like
0: yeah i wanted some really fucked up shit to go down yeah yeah i was because that's
1: what the marketing hyped it up as i so. mean because
0: that's what i like that i too. just wanted it to get very fucked up
1: and you see this and all the time. not that it wasn't
0: yeah. fucked up um,
1: yeah it still was yeah But, you You know, if the
0: whole the whole premise of this book is that there's this like little kid who won't speak, who wants to kill her mother, basically. Like, that's the whole. The whole thing. Yeah.
1: "Yeah." On my copy, there's like an entertainment weekly quote at the top. It says we need to talk about Kevin meets Gone Girl meets The Omen. And yeah, it's pretty much like that. And that's kind of how you pitch books and movies, scripts, whatever you're doing, listeners. Right. Some of you may know this. Some of you may not. You have to sell it, right? So if you're pitching to an agent, you're pitching to a publisher an editor. Like you have to be like, oh, it's like this, but like crossed with this, like kind of give them yeah. things that they already have in their mind, so they can kind of see it without before they read it, kind of thing. Like what you're going for. So a little bit of that, but yeah, it it is kind of a blend of those things.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: I did watch The Omen after reading this. Oh, wow. rewatched it cuz you know I'd seen it before but not for years.
0: Yeah, I um, haven't watched it in years. I But you know the idea, yeah. There the one that came out when we were like teenagers, right?
1: There's the that... 2008 remake with Julia Stiles and um but I watched the original 76
0: yeah you fucking what?
1: yeah and I, I mean i've seen both but i'll yeah. probably go back and rewatch the 2008 now and just see because there's like five sequels so i want to go watch yeah. all those now too but uh, yeah. i also started reading we need to talk about kevin after reading this because like i'd had it like a friend gave it to me or something and i'm like oh, yeah, yeah you know, that was a big book i like lionel shriver like i just never got around to reading to it never yeah it's movie. one of the most
0: supremely fucked up books uh like, it's, it's good of, so far yeah in terms of you know that sort of thriller element, which is like really what we're asking for. It's what we're asking for in uh, this genre, typically is for some fucked up shit to happen. So it's not, I have been I've been
1: thinking about that more and more recently too, dude. Like this kind of like, there's something about books where books you can get away with this kind of stuff because really disturbing stuff that's hard to watch visually. So like when you're seeing like really like gory shit on horror movies or something, everybody freaks out about that. And like, there's other things like, but like in a novel, like when you're reading it, there's like a level of removal in like the words on the page as opposed to a visual playing out in front of you or a real but life But there's thing. also
0: the added opportunity to have, um, you know, more depth of perspective. Yeah. Like, well, I just mean, it's a like, good so place you can to put have disturbing the interior, things. Interior, like it helps us that we have Hannah's interior monologue or she would appear as more of a villain to us. I mean, she still is, but, like, you know, because, like, I I feel like that would, this wouldn't translate as well, like, into a movie. Yeah, although I'm
1: sure it'll be a movie eventually. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's been optioned or something. But But,
0: like, imagine how much of this book is, like, Hannah's... Internal monologue because like right. you know one of our main characters is a child who refuses to speak and it's not that she can't speak it's that it it seems it's and that I just, she yeah. elects not to.
1: I just mean, it's like, it's just, it's a good place to put disturbing stuff. It's even better to put disturbing stuff in books than it is visually because a lot of times, visually, seeing it play out visually or like is more disturbing than reading it in the book kind of thing. So, you know, throughout history, we put the most disturbing, disgusting, horrific stuff in novels first, usually. And then when they get turned into movies or they get optioned into movies or something, they usually cut out some of the more horrific shit. Yeah, because you, you know? can
0: write horrific things.
1: Right, exactly. So it's like, this is this. this it's the place for all of that and Sophie mentioned this about the dialogue like there isn't a lot of dialogue it's a lot of in- internal uh monologue and things and, and thought processes and psyches of the characters really just Suzette and uh Hannah the mother and the daughter but that I think is what makes it lean into the literary side Whereas, like there's yeah. not a lot of dialogue like there's dialogue but not a whole lot it's mostly the internal world <clears throat> And I, you know, that's good. I like it. I like that it blended those. It really is just an obsession I have, like fascination I have about yeah. how writers do this well, and that's why it's a recurring theme on this podcast. All right. Where do you want to start on this?
0: I mean, I'll let you decide. I don't have any uh, notes until like chapters six
1: and seven yeah the first couple things they just kind of set the scene so we get a few flashbacks we get a few like uh, i guess we start out with suzette do we no we start out with Mm -hmm. hannah
0: yeah
1: uh and then we get suzette we get a few chapters of hannah uh the one thing i noticed right away is like the kind of when hannah punches that kid in the grocery store
0: oh yeah that's
1: like the first kind of scene we see of hannah really misbehaving uh she punches like a baby basically in the grocery store line and uh you know it's like a huge thing like oh my god um and it's a good kind of character character development thing so you kind of see what's happening here it's like this child is much more aggressive than most children this child is much more violent than most children uh although then you see also the kind of flaw of suzette the mother rewards the behavior that drove me a little bit crazy but i get that it's like character development like we have to see that kind of weakness in the mother where it's like you know your child's misbehaving and they went to the store originally and be like oh you can get a treat because you've been a good girl then she punches this baby and then she still lets her have the treat like after she punches this baby
0: because she's getting a treat because she was such a good girl at the doctor who they took her to to because like she doesn't talk
1: right Right. and i was just like okay well that's the first problem you're rewarding bad behavior (laughs) like you can't be rewarding bad behavior uh but you know whatever that's it's a story it's for character development but yeah yeah
0: and we get some indication here too that like okay there's you know nothing obviously wrong with hannah like according to doctors they've seen several blah 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 like and they're starting to get the idea that maybe there's something psychological going on. They refer her to a psychologist.
1: And Hannah's yeah. supposed to be seven. The little girl's seven at this point, which is a good age for, like, a creepiness factor. I think the Omen kid is supposed to be, like, five, six in the first movie. I yeah. like story and stuff. So that's a good age to kind of you start to see this kind of behavior in kids kind of creepiness factor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So seven, eight year olds doing that shit
0: all okay, right my first notes are actually about the first time hannah speaks but also there's
1: but like the crohn's you would hit the crohn's disease
0: yeah i think there are a couple of things that we should hit here so first we have
1: uh we're just like we get the idea that like the mother has this has crohn's disease those that don't know who crohn's disease is a terrible disease intestinal gastrointestinal um chronic illness where you're constantly having diarrhea. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what causes it or why. Uh, I don't know enough. I'm sure you could look it up if you wanted to, but anyway, just know that she has this terrible intestinal disease. She has to take all these medicines. She's suffered with it her whole life. Uh, And I thought it was a good choice to immediately create sympathy for Suzette, the mother character. So she's dealing with the not just, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of motherhood and like living life on top of being a mother, but also this chronic disease that she suffered with since she was a teenager and has, yeah, had and all has these surgeries
0: and insecurities around. Um And like apparently also like had a distant and troubling relationship with her mother. Like that is established pretty early where her mom was like not interested in her, you know, tummy problems. She said her mom had
1: the same issue, but like yeah. untreated undiagnosed type yeah. thing.
0: Um, And then we also get a lot of like, uh, oh, well, this is also when like I started to learn what a fistula is. Fascinating. (laughs) Spent a lot of time reading about fistulas. What did you Um, discover? (laughs) That it's basically a tunnel from organ to organ. Right. Basically, you know, from an organ to typically to the skin, from what I understand. Again, I got all of this from Wikipedia and I'm only. You know, saying what I remember, which could be completely incorrect. Yeah, um, well we're always but she describes dude, you know. like just pus and shit, like, <laughs> like yeah, basically like having a tunnel from like I guess your colon, yes, to your skin, and that like she had some surgery, so they had to like open it so that it could drain, so it could close up naturally. Yeah. And so, like, she had to have her mom like constantly changing it, and she talks about how like this, you know, was like a point of insecurity for her, like because she was so worried about like I mean, she basically had shit coming out of her stomach. Like, why would you not yeah. be worried about that? And um, from what I know about I, I Crohn's, loved it, yeah. loved this element of the book. <laughs> and from
1: what I know about Crohn's, depending on how severely you have it, there are things you can do. So there's like, okay, if medicines aren't working. Uh, they, the most extreme thing is they remove large part of the colon yeah. and the small intestines so, and the large intestine, so that you do have to use a colostomy bag, you know, the rest of your life, basically. But there are other operations that they try. And, you know, that's like last resort. They do not want to remove organs if they don't have to type things. So it'll be like there'll be operations you can do where they remove part of it that's like really affected, but not enough to where you'd have to use a colostomy bag the rest of your life to, to shit. So it's like, okay, they usually doctors are going to try and do that first. So she's had the, and it's, it's more painful to do that. It's a lot of suffering. Like she talks about years of having to clean and repack this open wound in her body as they like examine it and make sure it's okay before it heals up. And they make it clear that she's had two operations of this sort in her stomach with the intestines once when she was younger. And then once, I guess right after she had the Recently. child. Yeah, yeah, after she had the kid and that does complicate things in Crohn's when you're a woman and you're giving birth and you're pregnant, Crohn's complicates all that, right? Of course it does. But uh so of course she's like, "Oh, this child, she never never even knew if she was capable of having children because of the Crohn's and now she has this child that she adores or sort of ideally, right, you want to have a child and maybe that it kind of gives us sympathy for Suzette, but then also kind of explains why Suzette kind of lets this bad behavior get away because she's just so happy to have a child kind of thing. But then also she's not like, she also is like, there's like this weird, it's not even weird. It's like, it's a normal thing, which I want to get to eventually with how they show like Suzette basically like hating her child.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And like thinking about her husband's body all the time.
1: (laughs) We're just like how, they show Suzette um, re- resenting the child to some extent. Uh, where did I mark it? Uh, page eighty-five. Uh, wrong, wrong. It's it's when they send Hannah to the first school, and we learn that they've mm-hmm. been sending Hannah to schools all the time, and she keeps getting kicked out. But like they keep trying to find new ones because you know they're concerned parents. The last. Um, Sentence on page 85 in my version says, Suzette thought of the prize looming ahead of her. Time, rest, peace, the return of her sanity. So like there is this level of like resenting the work that a child makes you do. Like especially if the child's making it more difficult than like the average kid would.
0: Well, right. Because she's also the mom who's staying at home to take care of Hannah. She's the one who is homeschooling Hannah, right? Um,
1: because she keeps getting kicked out of all these schools
0: (laughs) yeah. yeah and at one point she's like homeschooling hannah and hannah is like oh where is it um before that really early on like one of the first chapters she's homeschooling hannah and suzette's trying to teach her something she's trying to get her to write something and instead she writes like bitch hate <laughs> at some point she writes fuck mommy she is weak and stupid like, Damn. so the seven-year-old year old who won't speak but can write like an adult you know yeah fuck you um
1: when i was in second grade i got in trouble for saying fucking school <laughs>
0: nice. very traumatic. what was your punishment
1: uh a very traumatic memory Well, it was like one of those things where like people were like, I was like, I remember very vividly, I was second grade, I was sitting in the classroom and it was kind of during like the break time thing where you could kind of socialize and like they give you little snacks and shit. And I remember we were talking about it because we were right at that age, like six, seven, you know, where you're kind of like, oh, dirty words kind of. And like everybody was like, oh, these bad words. And nobody had the balls to like say it or spell it. But you know, me, of course, my personality, I was like, Oh, it's easy and I just started spelling it out like F U like kind of thing. And then like as soon as I did it, I remember this one little girl, dude, she was like, Oh, and then like ran away and told the teacher and I was just like, You bitch. Like (laughs) Yeah. I was just like what? Bitch,
2: dude.
1: So then I got in trouble. I had to go to the principal's office. Exactly, dude. And it was in like the context of us all like kind of giggling about it. I was like, Oh, you just ruined it.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, so that one affected me a little bit, but I just, I was fascinated by how this kind of really takes the the normal mother-daughter relationship, which is, you can vouch for this if you correct me if I'm wrong, usually a little hostile. Uh, between I can't mothers speak
0: for and, usually, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I just mean, like, since I'm not, a, I don't have that relationship, um, but like, yeah, the, specifically the mother-daughter relationship, it kind of takes that to the extreme. Like, it really, and it, like you yeah. know, it's a good plot device, but it takes that, like, kind of natural rift between mothers and daughters that, like, yeah. happens eventually.
0: Well, it definitely takes, like, <laughs> it definitely, like, takes the idea of the Electra complex and runs with it.
1: What's that? I don't know what that is.
0: It's the opposite of the edipal complex. It, so it's, like, a daughter that wants to kill her mother and marry her father. Uh the oedipal complex is what yeah, Oedipus does: yeah, is yeah kills his father and right. marries his mother
1: freud they <laughs> are getting some freud in there uh is that true
0: the Electra complex
1: i mean you know
0: i mean is it true i don't metaphor I don't yeah they're metaphors that, you know like i yeah. i don't know like just how true that ever was
1: I guess you know? it's more metaphorically they're trying yeah. to make the point in like a psychological framework yeah. what would cause somebody to do this I don't do think it's stuff. like
0: literally like men desire. Right. Yeah. You know,
1: but then there's like, Oh, you know, you, you, you become your parents. Eventually you marry your parents. Eventually. Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I kind think it's of more like thing. that. Yeah. Whereas um, like, it's not a conscious thing you're thinking, but like maybe just the brain does it or at least, and it's only a theory, right? It's only yeah, a theory. Yeah, you yeah. can't, but, yeah I was just fascinated by this mother-daughter relationship to the extreme like this kind of resentment between the two
0: yeah and like there is clearly like Hannah hates her mother and Suzette (sighs) not Hannah's biggest fan but is still on her side right like she just wants shit to work out um they do the thing this author does a thing where like sometimes like you know one moment will bleed right into the next speaker right so you'll go from one chapter where you have Suzette speaking where we're like in the middle of something happening and then we'll switch to see the same thing happening from um Hannah's perspective like mid-event and I enjoyed that I thought it worked really well um there's this moment I guess maybe toward the end of is it the end of chapter six maybe um and there aren't chapter numbers. I also intermittently listened to the audiobook and it had chapter numbers, so I had to like go back and figure out what was what. But um there's a part where Hannah speaks, right? And this is like the first really big deal thing I think that happens in the book. Or it was the first like big noteworthy thing where we see that Hannah is like trying shit and is very, um, like, manipulative.
1: What the, when she speaks in the French, what...
0: Um... Yeah, when she speaks in a French accent, and she, uh, like, rolls her eyes back in her head and pretends to be possessed. Um, so she... And I think it might be, like, in that same chapter. It's got to be... Let's see. It's got to be shortly...
1: Marie-Anne.
0: Yeah, Marie Anne. So she reads when her mom is like homeschooling her. She reads about this woman who was burned as a witch. She was like the last woman who was burned as a witch. What in like the Salem witch trials or some shit? Um, or just generally, like
1: not in Salem, but in France, she was technically the last woman burned. Alive oh, that's at the what stake it was. Yeah, in France w- during the time when they were burning witches, uh, women. Uh, accusing them of being witches
0: (laughs) burning Uh, witches
1: they were just like burning them because you know just like in Salem there's like the accusations running rampant for I mean come on we all know this is like oh how could that have happened in Salem it's like yeah have you been on social media dude like (laughs) mobs mob justice is always like a fervor that like just runs through like the population so any type of like somebody can just say that you were a witch or somebody can say that you did something that you said something and now you know the mob comes for you it's more of a metaf- metaphorical burning at the stake uh, on social media but pretty much the same thing right just we like to think we're above that now but uh <laughs> you know we're still human beings uh
0: oh yeah it's page 38 okay
1: So, qu- so pretty early on. Yeah. When she says, "Because I'm not Hannah."
0: Yeah, the girl stood there, arms loosely at her sides, considering her mother. Then her eyes rolled back until they were solid white, dead nothingness in the sockets. "Because I'm not Hannah," the girl whispered. And that was in response to the question. For fuck's sake, Hannah! Why don't you ever listen to me? <laughs>
1: Right, because Suzette is so flustered, right? Like, like this, and that's why I'm, I'm like, yeah, there is this. It's, you know, everybody talks about this. I was just fascinated by the theme. Maybe I'm just going too far into the theme of the mother-daughter thing, you know.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's like so much of it is like, yeah. I mean, the theme around themes around motherhood are off the charts in this one.
1: But it touches something very specific about motherhood, and it's something that I think people—the reason people love Sylvia Plath and all the stuff—that is because there's this little bit of resentment, like this little bit of like I sacrificed my body, yeah, my life. Well, not just my for body, you. yeah, literally, like, like
0: yeah. my time, to- most a lot of the next eighteen years. Yeah, best, and actually.
1: really not even eighteen years, because it's not like it just stops. Like you're always the parent, so like, you're always the mother, and like so, like it's like a light, like you're literally. There's this right, little but it's bit,
0: your job. Right, and it's not, years. you know, not
1: like it's like malicious or evil or, you know, whatever people want to ascribe to it. But it's like this little tiny thing that like just a little bit like that's in every mother, daughter, maybe even mother, son type stuff. Where There's this little bit of like resentment that I think this book captures very well. Uh, and, you know, obviously it takes it to the extreme, as I said, like it takes it to an extreme version of that. Sure. But. There's just it, I'm just fascinated by that theme and how well it worked in this kind of very kind of I don't know, like I mean I, I'm struggling to even say what it is because again, I'm I'm not a fucking woman, so I don't know the intricacies of that, but
2: well, yeah. I see it.
1: <laughs> I see it in the in the, the people that I do know. <laughs> like like yeah. the, the mother daughter relationships that I'm aware of, know of
0: and uh well, like, and it's worse too because, like, they're playing on the, the daughter playing two sides, um, idea, right, where you have the kid who, is one way in front of one parent and another way in front of the other parent, right, to get their way. Uh, and the manipulation. Hannah's, yeah, and so we already see like you know Suzette's starting to like lose her shit because she's like Alex the husband doesn't see the side of Hannah like she's his perfect angel um, what if he thinks I'm going crazy what if I'm just like this you know what if I I just appear To be like an awful mother who's just complaining about their child because he can't see what i go through every day
1: that and the resent i think that's a good theme too the kind of it's not a lot right listeners like i'm not saying oh these people are resentful but there's a little tiny sliver of resentment towards the father or the husband kind of thing where it's like well you didn't have to go through this you didn't have to like almost die giving birth like kind of thing Uh, and you don't have to deal with all the mothering that all the
0: child care yeah um he does do all the work stuff but he doesn't get the more difficult moments of the relationship right and so she has some resentment toward that but other than that they have like a really loving relationship it seems like there isn't animosity there Um, yeah
1: and i wanted to ask about that alex the the, the husband character because he's one we we don't ever get his perspective yeah i think we
0: start to get a glimpse of it toward the end Yeah, Um,
1: but it's through Suzette usually yeah but yeah I mean what do we think of that like the husband
0: character I think it was played well here not too much of it nothing that makes him seem like a bad guy just maybe a little bit oblivious but nothing that actually like makes him seem like he's doing something wrong by not seeing what's happening right he's just not seeing it and they're not communicating effectively about it um but he's other than that he's just like kind of a charming character yeah with no real like i don't get the sense of anything really negative <laughs> about him there's nothing and that negative d- about him yeah, yeah not, there's the entire nothing novel. Which is strange, but didn't bother me. Um,
1: I think it helps to show that how the guilt that Suzette feels like she starts to feel like she's being irrational because Alex, the husband, isn't seeing these things like she's like, am I the one that's
0: like, yeah. has the issue? Like, it, it, he's like the perfect man. And yeah. she's like, you know, he's not traditionally attractive, but she's clearly very attracted to him and is described as being very attractive to him, uh, her um, throughout the novel. So, like, we like him. She at no point is, like, angry with him. Yeah. She just wants him, like, on her side and is trying to figure out the best tactic to make that happen, which sounds more manipulative than I think it actually was, but, of course, she has to sort of do some shit, you know? Like, she has to get Alex to, like, come to therapy with you know her and the kid which isn't like something she has to try too hard to make happen but you can tell like in every moment where hannah does something and suzette's like will he believe me like oh he has to believe me this time you know it's like she's like panicked about it like it's a source of constant panic throughout the novel right not just will she hurt me it's uh, you know what's he gonna say is he gonna believe me
1: and there's almost that level of guilt in terms of feeling like she's more needy in like the marriage and like feeling guilty about that with the crones, with all the other shit she has to deal with, like feeling like he's caretaking or something of her and the child. And there's like this little level of like, you know, you don't have to deal with this. Like, but I do, even if it's like a self, like, you know,
0: yeah, and there are even like other elements of that, of like feeling like, you know, she needs to keep herself beautiful and she had done a really good job of like trying to keep herself beautiful for her husband. And, you know, we can get into some of that stuff. Yeah,
1: which it. is a real, it's a real, right? Like, it's a very real thing that people have to deal with as they get, as they or, age. Like, I think
0: it's a real thing that, you know, some women might like fear, right? What does
1: mean, the effort? Yeah. The effort you have yeah. to make, particularly as a woman as you age, right? And you could say it's cultural. Well it or doesn't societal, even have to be the effort but...
0: you have to make, but the effort that you feel like you have to make, or right. the effort that like or like the worry that you aren't making an effort, you know. I I don't think it's necessarily about like how much of an effort you make, so much as like the feeling behind it. Yeah. What motivates it. Um you know a fear I mean, of not being beautiful right. to the person that married you
1: because i'm dude i mean people like nobody wants to be ugly like yeah, <laughs> nobody no, no wants, wants to, be, to ugly. be ugly like that's true for everybody but it is a little different it's different it's a little different for women like kind of thing
0: it's pretty different for women right and it's, you know, it's unfair <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's sure it's different. unfair
1: like all that yeah like all that kind of stuff um
0: like we don't talk about old men as being like just but ugly Right. But a lot old of women, them are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, plenty of them are. Well, like, old women are, like, haggard, you know? Yeah,
1: and yeah, we don't want to get into, like, a whole cultural, like, oh, well, why is that uh, like culturally, blah, blah, But
0: yeah. Yeah, I and mean, men become more distinguished as they age, and women, you know? Their tits fall down.
1: Well, usually it depends. Like, I, like, that's, like the, that's like the thing, right? Like, that's like the thing. The men become more distinguished. Yeah, as I know age. we but say that, around, but
0: I've looked around, man. Yeah, <laughs> most men as they age do not
1: <laughs> become better looking, but the rich ones do, the celebrities do, the ones that were already attractive at like people who are younger.
0: already like yeah. decently attractive. Maybe weren't like the, you know, and that's also a thing. Like you don't know how you're gonna turn out until yeah. you're like I don't know, like twenty. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I always see that too. It's like, oh, the men just get more beautiful. I was like, uh, you look around like any public place, dude. Just go to a mall, <laughs> go to a go to some place, and you'll see a lot of ugly ass old guys. <laughs> okay, like fat as shit, like uh, limping around casino. I see it all the time where I live, like limping around casino floors, uh, and they're like fifty years old <laughs> and they like can barely walk. with Yeah, their but knees when and, like, a
0: man know. is older and he still looks decent. You're not shocked when a right. woman is older and she looks good, you're like, oh, she looks good, yeah, you know? yeah, it looks that's like yeah shocked true.
1: he said that, yeah, you'll see it, yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely, and that plays into it, right, so that's like a normal thing that most people are dealing with, but then, like as in this book, it takes it to a little bit more of extreme, like a lot of it is like and it's and I think it's because. Maybe that sets up like a lot of the stuff that Hannah does to Suzette, the mother, is things that she's trying to take away her beauty. She's trying to, she cuts her hair when she's sleeping, right? Oh, yeah. She, she's trying to make her not beautiful for her. Well, daddy. and why
0: is that? Yeah. So there's a fun little scene Looking where, it, yeah. um, Hannah, I guess, is like listening in or watching, or, like peeking in on her parents having sex.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She, like, doesn't understand it.
1: Right, because she's seven. Uh,. But watches yeah. the convulsions of the bodies, yeah, the sounds and that they're making, mommy, you know.
0: And takes it to be some kind yeah. of love language. She call it, refers to it, oh, she hears them having sex and refers to it as a language more interesting than words. Remember, this is a child who does not speak. Obviously has some understanding of language, has an inner monologue. Like, obviously can speak because she speaks directly to her mother and she becomes shocked and she's like, what the fuck is going on? She takes, but yes. Yeah, so she hears them having sex. Uh, she's like trying to see what she calls daddy's man parts, but yeah. she doesn't quite get a glimpse. So there's like this whole weirdness around sex, you know. And she's like a kid, so she's like trying to right. figure it out. She doesn't understand it. Uh, so and like there whatever. is that curiosity you know. as a
1: child. Yeah, like when you're a child and you don't know and you're curious. Like that's all. It's just but, yeah.
0: Yeah, and this is when like Hannah's really beginning to think of ways to make mommy go away and she's like (laughs) pretending to be like possessed by this witch who and she takes this like her reading about this woman as evidence that witches do exist um she mentions earlier like she's uh, suggests that she like wants to marry her dad a little bit before this she wants to keep her baby teeth also. I don't remember what context that's set in, but it's definitely where the title comes from. She, like, doesn't want to grow up. She wants to be daddy's little girl, and she kind of conflates that with the love he ha- the love relationship um, he has with his, her mom.
1: It's the daddy's little princess thing, but again, yeah. taken, to ex- taken to an extreme... Um. You know, she can do no wrong. Daddy always praises her, like loves yeah, her. Yeah, doesn't his child.
0: believe that she is like doing these horrible things. But in the chapter that she listens to them having sex, I think it's like chapter nine or something. Right. This is a Hannah chapter. So it's, you know, all Hannah's internal monologue. She also like takes a picture <laughs> of her mom sleeping. So she takes a picture of Suzette sleeping.
1: Dude. So her mom's um, naked, sleeping, and like she takes yeah. a picture of her, like her breasts and all, like lopsided, and she's like, you know, mouth open. Yeah, and she's pillow. like,
0: she's printing all these pictures from her dad's computer, and she's like thinking of all these ways to quote make mommy go away, like, you know, uh, eating glass, like having her eat glass, or making her eat her own hands somehow, which is great. <laughs> like, I don't uh, like where it's like really fucked up. You know, she's like a seven year old and she's coming up with all these ideas um, and she steals her dad's phone. And so like the, she's doing like all this weird shit. She like puts together a, a collage basically of like images of dead people, like dead Victorian dead people. So like people who are like probably photographed after they were dead. Right. Because yeah. that's how in Victorian time they, you know, that was often only picture that families had of loved a loved one was the picture that was the portrait that was taken of them after they died very often um so there are all these dead people and she like you know pastes a picture of her mother into that too and this is meant to like be some kind of disturbing message obviously (laughs) so it's all like i don't know not it's like disturbing but it's not um I don't know. How would you describe it?
1: Um, It's, I don't know. I mean, I think it has a little to do with how the character's written. Like Hannah's written consistently, but she's kind of written consistently like a 15-year-old or like 16-year-old. With this rationalization, it's not so much child rationalizations, but sometimes it is, right? Like, sometimes it is a child rationalization. Yeah. But all this testing, all this trying to horrify mommy, it's a little more teenage behavior than you would see in, like, a seven, eight-year-old, but...
0: This one still works for me. This still feels like the right level of manipulation for a child when we're still, like, trying to buy in to their evil, right? Like, we're still trying to buy, like, that she's truly evil here. Although I think I could have... I always want more. Yeah. I'm sure there's a point at which there's too much, you know? Like when she starts like cutting her mom's hair and shit. When she was initially like taking a picture of her mom while she was sleeping, I was like, yeah, this is good. Like this is creepy.
1: Yeah. A uh, little, yeah, sometimes a little. Uh, like the for me, like the medicine switch when the child ooh, switches yeah. her, her Crohn's medicine or her anti-diarrheal medicine. We like puts flour in the capsules. I was a little, like it's a really good story.
0: Yeah. But it's too smart, right? It's a little too too... smart.
1: And for a seven year old to do that, like mix it with flour. Like to know
0: that you like pull these capsules apart.
1: Not even that, but to do that cleanly to do it with no mess and then be able to clean it up after and, like, not leave and anything like flour behind. flour would
0: stick to all that shit, too. Right.
1: There would be flour yeah. in the medicine bottle. There would be flour on the outside of the capsules. As soon as they yeah. get wet, if you rinsed them off or something, they start melting. So it's like, all right, right. like, you just, like, it just it's a good plot point i like that it's in the novel i think it's a good manipulative thing but it was a little like no way a seven-year-old does that cleanly and smoothly with no one even if they could you know pushing a chair up to the counter pulling the bag of flour out without spilling i mean dude i pull out flour out of my pantry or something and i'm spilling it all over the fucking counter like you know like it's powder blowing up
0: i have to admit i was also a little let down by the results
1: Oh, right, I that wanted, didn't really do much.
0: I wanted the, the results to be more catastrophic Right. Than they were. Yeah. More catastrophic than, I can't get off the toilet, I'm going to call the doctor. Yeah. Oh, he said to take more Imodium. Oh, now we're switching my medicine. You know, like... Right. I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> when, it, it, more consequential, sure, maybe, Yeah. Because like, that's a big thing. Or yeah. just like,
0: so, yeah, something that felt more, a little more climactic. Yeah. Which, it's not happening like at the actual climax of the novel right that's more like when she's finding out that her medicine has been switched actually like and is discovering right. what actually happened right but yeah it slowly this, builds I, it, like it gets it more does slowly build yeah. i do wish that this moment had a little more of, yeah a little more consequence to it like um, maybe
1: hospitalizing Suzette and then like Hannah gets to be alone with dad or something for a couple of days or just
0: then, like have her get really sick for right. like a day yeah. you know
1: for a couple of days of, yeah, like, being super sick and in pain. And then maybe a hospitalization. Hannah's alone for a little. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, you know, I don't want to workshop this fucking thing. But it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. No,
0: it's good. Like, we but, enjoyed yeah. this. But, yeah. yeah. um, th- But that's the thing. Like, um, in some of these moments, yeah. I wanted it to push into that, like, fucked up pop novel. Like, like go there. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted it to. But Ch- it also, child like, worked, worked really yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, go for it which by the way is something that no movie version has ever included in it right like they nobody wants to touch it that really the child gang bang in the sewer
0: yeah but doesn't what is her name bev beverly yeah beverly yeah like in one of are you sure in the tv one or something or in one of them i thought maybe that like there's some indication that she's like trying to make out with everybody uh there's a love point.
1: triangle in the actual story between ben um bill and beverly uh yeah i don't know and, and a little bit of richie in there too but i know the newer version of it kind of tries to make richie gay but uh hmm. but like the older version and then the novel he's not it's but yeah you know whatever it does but really yeah in the, story, the novel
0: but... they actually all fuck in the sewers
1: yeah, and that's all of them, but, like, the, the bigger plot is the love triangle, you know, the fat little yeah. boy Ben's in love with Beverly, and every all the boys are in love with Beverly, you know, because she's, like, the girl that hangs out with them, and they're young, and, like, yeah. they're into girls now, Token you know, female. like, 12, 11, yeah, like, and there is that point, right, when you're 11, 12, and, like, you have a friend that's a girl or whatever, yep. and it starts getting a little, like, oh, like a... I don't know, but yeah, you know, just like there's really disturbing stuff. Just, I just brought it up as an example of like a really disturbing thing that you can read in a book. But if you saw that on screen, everybody would be like, oh my God.
2: But also when you
0: read it in a book, you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. But it's just (laughs) easier to swallow. Yeah. (laughs) But not by a lot. Like, it's just like, what? Like, this is so, I understand already that this book is so far from reality, you know, like we're talking about evil clowns. Yeah. But give, keep, let's keep some anchor. Let's keep one foot in the real world. Like, <laughs>
1: well, and maybe that's one of the lines that was, we, like I said, I'm sorry, theme. you think
0: all of these teenage, like, you know, basically preteen boys are, like, going to all, like, what? Get hard and, like, gangbang this girl at the same time? Uh Taking turns dipping their dicks in, like what's going on? <laughs> it's it's just little, really weird. It's like, a little
1: weird, but it's also not. It's well, I mean, and I think this is like the recurring theme, right? Like the line between pop and literary, a literary or more aspiring literary author, like like stage here in this novel, wouldn't go that far because then you're out. It'd of be the more realm. tempered. Yeah, then you go more to the fantasy realm, the more pop realm. But like you know, something like Stephen King, that you go Stephen that. Stephen King's
0: just like. I want to fulfill the teenage male fantasy. I mean of this he was gangbang occurring.
1: Yeah, and he I mean he was clearly doing a shitload of coke when he wrote that book. I mean yeah. like it's like a thousand, you know it's over a thousand pages, like it's just constant constant cocaine detail like but yeah. <laughs> that's like one aspect of something different, but like yeah, I mean that you think these different aspects that's like changing like the childhood. I don't know. I don't know.
0: They're coming of age.
1: But yeah, I was gonna say like you, ten year old boys can get erections all the time, dude. Oh like, well, yeah, yeah, no, I <laughs> just mean like, <laughs> like they can get erections, no issue
0: with each other, like in front of a like there's oh, no yes. like no performance anxiety, nothing like
1: at that age.
0: Nah, not a not a factor. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I've never had a wiener. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, as a kid, like as, a, as somebody that, as you grow up with a penis, like you get boners all the time, but you don't know what they are yet until you're like, you know, eight, nine, 10. And then you're all your friends and everybody. And you start being like, oh, breasts, like, oh, <laughs> women, like kind of. And then you understand, you know, you start to, I don't know how kids do it now because with the internet, you can see all that and understand it within at very young ages. But before internet yeah, stuff,
0: I feel like girls are just like, yeah. what's a wiener look like? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah that's all that's only curious what's it look like under
1: there my wife and i talk about this all the time like we we tell each other stories you know whenever we're talking about like our childhoods or something and then like well i'll tell her a story or something of like me and my friends and she's like oh my god my (laughs) boys are so different like i would never even think of that as like a child i was like "Yes." yes yes it's very different uh but yeah uh speaking of of this page 135 when we find out that alex hates porn
0: Dude, yeah, tell me about this detail, because I fucking missed it, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny.
1: It's after um, Hannah does that nudie picture, and like, and no, 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 um, what's her face? Suzette finds Hannah in acting, basically copying her after she sees them have sex, like, by herself oh, yeah, in the she's, bed. Oh,
0: she's, like, thrusting a pillow
1: like into her car like
0: yeah and making and then making noises noises
1: that like Suzette was making while she was having sex with Alex and stuff uh
0: and then says like the devil is fucking her
1: (laughs) yeah and then says the devil is fucking her yeah
0: and that she Uh, likes it
1: And so Suzette thinks, oh my God, did she like happen to see porn on Alex's computer or something? You know, like was she searching around and like saw like something, which is something that can happen, right? As a child starts to come of age, that age of reason, right? And that's
0: like what she wants, right? Like that's what she's hoping to find. Right. That would be a
1: reasonable explanation to like like
0: that would be like, okay. So she's just like curious about sex stuff now and saw
1: it a little too early and maybe, yeah. So, but then anyway, there's this line, right, where she's like, but that seemed unlikely. It's like, throughout the relationship, Alex never hesitated to enumerate his reasons for hating pornography whenever the subject arose. And I just wrote that. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? He's not real. Okay, it's not or a real. Or like,
0: yeah. or he's like playing it. He's like, I don't know, like pretending like it's some kind of like <laughs> moral thing. But well, like, any
1: man that tells you they don't is lying. Yes, yeah, they lying. Yeah. Well, Oh, I don't like it. It's, it's, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like such yeah. a
0: weird, it's like, why is it here?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's there because it's supposed to make, make Alex this angelic kind of thing. Like he can do no wrong and she feels guilty about the fact that he can do no wrong and she feels like she's doing wrong all the time.
0: Is it angelic so, to hate pornography? I mean, I guess. Like, I think he,
1: from a certain, not all women, but from a certain female perspective, Like yes.
0: Like they a, a God-fearing one? or
1: god fearing i may be where it stems from but i think it more stems from like an insecurity thing or like um i don't or like you know it's usually younger female younger women that'll have a problem with it because they don't quite understand what it is and like what men use it for kind of stuff but uh yeah it's usually it's a fantasy so if anybody's telling you of any man if they're not like a mormon but shit dude even if they're fucking mormon okay like dude like there is no getting around like this kind of male impulse or like this is just not
0: yeah dude i know i've read twilight yeah.
1: right yeah like... i know
0: all about male impulses
1: yeah but twilight isn't even like I <laughs> I touched know, the, yeah because it's <laughs> and i don't joke. want it to be like oh it's like it but it is a very female kind of like fantasy it's
0: clearly a female fantasy yeah. of like what men are like a it's, good man
1: would not do that or a like, bad not, boy yeah. yeah
0: like it's those two. and it's
1: just a joke like it's like it's like that's not real but like yeah yeah I, like I said, I think it was in there for some type of, like, story element to kind of make Alex seem even more angelic so that Suzette feels more guilty that she's, like, not as good as her husband or something. Or
0: Yeah, there's a whole, like, weird, I don't know, like, sexual well, When thing I read that, I was just book. like, Oof. I mean, it's not, like, weird. It's just, like, <laughs> it in moments made me laugh. Um, We do learn that later on that... Um, suzette hasn't had sex with anybody but alex and that she's never wanted yeah. to right um
1: is that real i mean i guess it is real right like is that a real thing or it's like a certain type of person
0: i don't and, you know, know that person
1: okay she had i think you could say okay she had crone so she was embarrassed she didn't want yeah, to have I those think... interactions with people before Alex. i think
0: she yeah i think she just didn't
1: she, like, Live
0: herself. a life. Right, Like, yeah. she just didn't live a life before him. She didn't ha- have any kind of romantic life before him is all that she's saying.
1: Yeah, so it's more like a character. He was
0: the first person that right. she was, re- like, really interested in, and therefore the only person is how I...
1: That's how I interpret actually it, ...actually too. took
0: it, but, like...
1: But I would think... I think of it... Yeah, it's more But like a I would think, yeah, thing. you were never
0: uninterested. Like, there, yeah. I somehow doubt that as you attended... All of your schooling years, there was never a single male that you looked at and found attractive and, like, oh, I like it,
1: Right. Well, and she doesn't say that. She just says she wasn't sexually active with it. But, like, I guess it's more of a character thing than it is, well, like, a said, fantasy thing. It's more of, like, a character. is like, yeah, she's a little naive. She's a little unexperienced or whatever kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and she has, like, this fantasy at one point. So, like, when... What's happening? So, like, this sort of <coughs> escalates. I guess we should get back to Hannah. Yeah. But, yeah, like, her, her bad behavior just kind of keeps escalating. So the next big thing that I think happens, hang on. There are a lot of references to art
1: um well, it's one of her hobbies she's yeah, wanted so to be an she, artist she, and she actually was a designer for the firm that alex where her she and alex met this before alex started his own firm i guess and like you know when they met when they were younger he was a little older she was right out of college was hired to be a designer for the architecture firm uh and so there, I mean, that's a little kind of cliche, like the the woman wanting to be a painter or whatever, like kind of uh, like you know that's that's been in novels since Jane Austen, right? Like I mean, even before that, you know. Uh, my real my real true calling is painting. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: What were you gonna say about Hannah?
0: Yeah, she has, like, all, I just remember there was this one part where she talks about, like, they're going to visit the school, and she's, like, it's, like, the, the school that they're hoping Hannah will attend. And right. the she's guy with the bitching, eye patch. And she's bitching about the disdain for, like, ordinary, the art of ordinary children, and, the, like, the school stinks of not enough money.
1: Right, yeah.
0: I think this so, is before she, the not the school she actually ends up going to. This is, like, when she... Goes and interviews for the school, and they're like, No, take her to this other school. And
1: she starts barking at the headmistress. Yeah, and she starts barking.
0: And finally, like, I think this is when Alex learns because there are actual consequences, right? Right. Like, she barks at this headmistress or whatever. (coughs) And he's like, Yeah, so she might not work out here, but here's the school where she might work out. Right, yeah. And so now, like, They're acting all nice. Uh, They're all in this sort of good mood. Suzette secretly kind of happy, right, that this happened because now she can be like, yeah, it's a real thing, this happens. This is how she behaves. Someone else beside me has seen it. And there are actual consequences to it. Um, So they sort of just like don't really, they're just really pleasant with Hannah um Suzette's really like every time there's a prospect of like Hannah's gonna go to school now it's like relief right which is expected right like no one even like the person who like loves parenting does not want to spend every day all day at home trying to make their kids learn shit yeah right um
1: well, she said she she never and she keeps bringing it back up. Like she never intended to like homeschool a child. Like that wasn't something that she had like planned in her life, you know. So she had you know had these ambitions. She her you know Alex has a big firm where he has getting big contracts. That's part of it too. Is he gets a nice big contract for a new building where he gets a magazine spread about his firm and all that. And I, what's they don't really say what city they live in, but we can assume Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay, so there
0: are references to it was they um there's one early reference to like oakland and at first i was like oh california and then i like it i read yeah. other references and it was pittsburgh
1: yeah so that's and that's a good kind of a literary way to show the setting too right you're not outright saying oh it's in pittsburgh pennsylvania but you're giving landmarks uh street names you know town square things courthouse right. you know whatever schools like uh, having to drive in the new york state like they have to drive up to new york uh, upstate new york for like one of the schools eventually you know, like, three-hour drive, but, uh, yeah, that's a good thing, but, <clears throat> and I, I guess I keep bringing this up, but I, I thought that, you know, Zoja's stage in this and the, the novel itself, it does a really good job of taking advantage of, we've kind of already talked about a little bit, but, like, the burden of motherhood as kind of, like, a, a horror story topic. I think it's very creative. I think it's very well... Because, you know, The Omen, even, like, we need to talk about, Kevin talks about this a lot since I've been reading it. Like, the the mother in that is very much kind of Sylvia Plath style. Like, you know, I never really, didn't really understand what I was getting into kind of thing. Wasn't what everybody said it would be kind of stuff. But, yeah, this kind of burden of motherhood. I don't know if I'm reading into it too much or I'm just too oh, obsessed yeah. with it. yeah. I mean, and... it's
0: definitely here. I mean, um... Right after Hannah witnesses her parents fucking her next chapter, which is Suzette starts freshly fucked and the sun was shining. Freshly uh, oh, beautiful- fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Freshly fucked.
0: <laughs> yeah. It really goes fuck forward. Uh, fuck like in the places forward. where, yeah. in the places where sex happens, it's just like, yes, let's talk about it. Um, let's linger on this more, <laughs> but <laughs> uh but that's also when Suzette discovers that her hair has been cut and so it really quickly goes from like yes freshly fucked and the sun is shining great morning to oh my fucking god like I need to not strangle my kid my husband will never forgive me she cut off like my hair it's ridiculous
1: And then that's a fear. She has to get it cut short because the child ruined her hairstyle. And she wasn't sure if her husband would like her hair short. So she was like, also, you know, self conscious and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, so like your child's doing horrific things to you. Like, and then more so than usual, right? If we're talking about the burden of motherhood, it's usually not this horrific or this extreme with like a problem child trying to kill you. Like I think everybody knows that, but like it takes that to the extreme. And I think it's a great creative way to make it kind of horrific, to take the burden of motherhood and then make it a a subject of of horror.
0: And well, this doesn't even have to be horrific. This just has to be like, Oh my God, like you would scream. Like if this is what you were dealing with every day, like you would lose your fucking mind. Right. If you just like, couldn't, if you had like no control over your kid's behavior But then it does, like, continuously escalate, right? So she's going to the school now where, like, her barking isn't going to get her expelled, right? It's like a special school. Yeah, and she keeps coming up with ways. uh,
1: To get kicked out.
0: To, yeah, sort of get, get out of class or, like, be put in the quiet room, blah, blah, blah. And one day she gets, so the next big thing I think that happens, let me double check. the next really like big thing that happens well first like there are also all of these references to Suzette saying things like like when she gets really into art for a couple days because she's like in a good mood and everyone's playing nice and she's just like talking about how she wants to make art and she's like she would make something else something better than Hannah
1: kind of rediscovering her passions that were taken away from the burden of motherhood. I might be
0: conflating two moments here but like yeah she keeps referring to like I'll make something better than Hannah right like I like she she really resents Hannah and she like is she has somehow um, replaced her creative pursuits with something much less satisfying to her Which, like, of course, like, if you have, like, a kid that can't say I love you, you know, like, that's, you know, I think a real and legitimate fear, right, for, you know, any young woman or, like, young parent, right, Um, who or uh, aspire, you know, somebody who wants to be a parent. But, yeah, the next really... When does it happen? When does she...
2: What are you talking um,
0: about? When does it happen with that kid?
1: Where she let the, the kid that has the helmet? Yeah. When she uh, lets the like, forces so, the kid to bang his head against the wall? Yeah so like she gets kicked out of all these schools because she's so horrible so she ends up going to school for kids that have like you know not problems like she has but like really bad kind of like uh problems like in terms of yeah like compulsive like self-harm and things like kids banging their head against the wall because of anxiety or whatever uh autism severe autism you know severe uh uh, learning disabilities and things where people can't really they can't function so they have to go to these special schools right where they give them special attention because they really can't function in a normal classroom setting kind of thing. Uh, and like, you know, Hannah, her problem isn't necessarily that right. Like she's smart enough to know what she's doing. So like, yeah.
0: And she has clear disdain for these kids on page one thirty-eight, um, <coughs> She talks about how one of the teachers was so placid about her barking and she'd give it a day or two. Um, to, like, study and figure out what to do. (laughs) And she says, just thinking about the other children ruined her good mood. If only they would all die and she could have the school to herself. She'd seen little blips on the news about mass shootings and had heard daddy rant about the gun problem. Not everyone needs a gun. Children do not need guns. But maybe daddy was mistaken. Uh. Um... So, yeah, it's like very clear. I was like, holy shit. You know, and this is like a seven year old. Right. Um, considering mass shootings. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wouldn't that be nice, the child's thinking? Yeah. So, there's like that level of it, too. What am yeah. I going to Yeah.
0: Yeah, so the next big thing that happens is we have this kid. So Hannah finds her way into the quiet room at school. And what happens? She takes off this kid's helmet. Yeah, She was in the quiet room and there's like a
1: there's like a supervisor in the quiet room that there's a kid in there that has severe problems. Right. So he can't he's actually has to wear like, you know, one of those kind of like epilepsy helmets or something where they give it like they strap on to kids sometimes because if they're just constantly hurting themselves, like smashing their heads up against things and stuff like it just prevents major injuries until you can get them to stop doing that yeah and that's what this uh, kid's doing yeah and she just hannah uh, makes the kid freak out by like barking at him and then like takes his helmet off of him like so that he starts like frantically compulsively like bashing his head to the wall where he's like making himself bleed giving himself concussion you know severe damage to a developing brain type thing uh and uh it's because the teacher had left them alone in the room for like, you know, like a minute, like a minute and a half because she had to like run down the hall or something. <clears throat> and that was enough for, that was like Hannah's moment. And that gets her kicked out of the school. That would like, they tried, you know, that they were desperate because it's like a special school for kids that have problems.
0: Yeah, so right after that is like, Hannah makes her first attempt. All right, she gets kicked out of school and right after this... Uh, Hannah makes her first attempt to kill her mother. <laughs> right. Uh, really poorly thought out, but very elaborate. Because I mean, she's not seven. not very elaborate, yeah. but like.
1: It is kind of they, like a seven-year-old's idea. Yeah, of
0: like, it,
2: yeah.
0: like puts thumbtacks, I guess, next to the bed on Suzette's side. So that when Suzette gets up, she stands, you know, on a bunch of thumbtacks and. I guess her plan was for her to like crawl over, or like fall
1: on the ground, so that Hannah yeah. could smash her head in with a hammer. It was the plan. Yeah, but then so she's like, like waiting that, by
0: the door yeah. with the hammer or something. But, but I guess then
1: falls back onto the bed because like she hurts her feet and immediately like gets off them, kind of flops back onto the bed, and then like looks at her feet and has like you know like a, like a two dozen tacks stuck in her feet to the point where like she has to like start pulling them out. And then Hannah comes in, but like Hannah sees that she's not on the floor, so she can't reach her with the hammer and just kind of stands there hesitating. And then Suzette kind of puts it together and is like, oh, did she just try to kill me? Like, (laughs) did my daughter just try to fucking kill me?
0: Yeah. For a moment, they stared at each other, (laughs) taking in their respective weapons. Hannah double fisting a hammer, Suzette with her cell phone. What are you doing? She could almost see the intention in her daughter's face. A murderous gleam. But Hannah took only one step into the room. Now she yells at her. You fucking little monster. I'm calling the police. Yeah. That was an intense one. It was an intense moment. And again, for something that like... I, I. I'm going to keep saying, like, oh, I wanted, you know, I wanted, like, the next step to happen. Like, I wanted her to, like, try to swing a hammer or something. Um,
1: like, hit an elbow or something and break her elbow. Or something.
0: Yeah. Or, like, something, you know. But uh, for a moment that doesn't have, like, a major health consequence, but still is, like, disturbing. Right. It works really well. Because yeah. it is, like, a very, like, big moment. You know, it's, like, right as we're, like, really climbing toward the climax. It's well-paced. It's it's moving pretty quickly at this point. And the whole book moves pretty quickly. Um, but, I, I like, I think it's really well done for something that you're, like, yeah. I mean, like, that's creative. Like, I wouldn't have... Uh, I didn't expect it. Yeah, and uh, it
1: builds the escalation. So, like, the whole thing's, like, slowly escalating where Hannah's outbursts get more and more severe and eventually they escalate to this point. And by the time she tries to kill her, I mean, we're about like two thirds through the novel at that point. Yeah, and, and she like does that hammer thing. And that's when it starts to go even March. just so the first attempt that she tries to kill her. And that's when they, uh
0: and this is when Alex is also becoming like, Holy shit. What the fuck? Like, <coughs> you know, what's going on? We don't get to see as much like the burden on him because obviously he's not the one being attacked right um but i think she still does a good job of showing us that at least toward the end
1: and this is when they like after the hammer incident it's when they start taking her to the therapist so like now there's a therapist involved yeah um uh, very I, I guess we talked we didn't we kind of blew past this but when she talks about like the the school smelling like it doesn't have enough money and it's just, there is like a class element, right? So clearly Suzette and Alex are upper class. This guy owns it in oh, an yeah. architecture firm. They have money. That's not an issue. They're
0: the only ones uh, on their street with like some fancy, like super energy efficient, like modern home.
1: That he designed and she decorated. She, and Yeah, they, can, yeah.
0: you know, are not, it doesn't seem like they're in a position where they're hurting for money. Right. Right. Like they, um, It's like totally okay that Suzette is like home with the kid, not working.
1: They can afford therapists. They can afford to go to these different schools. They can pay tuition for like private stuff, you know, like so they have this kind of upper class air to them. And with that, they talk about shopping at
0: Trader Joe's.
1: (laughs) And with that comes an expectation of child behavior, usually, right? Like you expect your child to not be bad. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, the, I guess, uh, Zoja's stage is, is Swedish. Or, like, uh, I assu- I, Yeah, Swedish.
0: I assume. There are a lot Be- of, I mean, there's a lot stressed. of Swedish in it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's stressed. And, like, they have, like, the Swedish fire ritual that they, like, do. Yeah. Which is a little boring. Like, a little lame. But. Uh,
0: yeah, so there's this whole thing that, and this is somehow in Hannah's mind, like, she's going to perform some ritual. That where she's going to cast a spell um, during this fire ritual to, like, you know, end her mother, pretty much. Um, And this is all, again, they're going back to the thing where they're playing nice. They're, you know, they're just keeping everyone happy until they get to the therapist on Monday or whatever. Right. (sighs) It's just like, let's just temper everything, which is like.
1: And they don't want to leave Suzette so yeah. alone with Hannah, so Alex is staying home from work, and then he gets this idea that, you know, this fire ritual, maybe we can help Hannah, you know, on, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and... <laughs> it's a
1: little boring, but...
0: And there's this whole thing of, like, you know, it's been two days, and it's been great, and we're all pretending it's fine, and I've just been doing my art thing and drinking champagne, <laughs> and I'm passionate again, you know? <laughs> And it's just, like, she's talking about drinking and being passionate and, like, getting, like, savagely fucked from behind by her husband and, like, oh, having, yeah. like, Hannah be their little wild pet. And uh, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what uh, the, like, is this, like, and she starts, like, referring to her hands as, like, important. Be like, these, I'm, these are visionary hands. These are hands with a vision. <laughs> I was like, what? And, you know. Uh, And that's, like, pretty late in the book. This is, like, in maybe chapter 30. She, like... (laughs) Yeah, she refers to... This is page 233. She hadn't showered in days and didn't really want to soften the comforting scabs that had formed on the soles of her feet. She couldn't remember when last she had gone so long without cleaning herself or some part of the house. The thought wasn't unappealing that vines could grow up through the floors, snake along the walls, fill the house like a jungle, and she and her rags could climb them and find a perch on the ceiling. In that savagely deconstructed domesticity, there'd be no need to speak. She'd reek of musk and Alex would fuck her from behind. Maybe there'd even be a place for Hannah there, barking like a chimpanzee, a wild child, a happy pet.
1: In the next paragraph, she closed her sketchbooks and repackaged all the supplies.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so this is just what she's thinking as she's sketching, like how much she wants to get fucked in like her smelly pussy or whatever. Like yeah. not,
0: uh... Reek of Musk. She, yeah, musk. Oh, uh, w- <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she talks about like, oh, maybe it was a day spent sipping champagne, but I feel so okay now. <laughs> And she also says she would selfishly shut the doors or leave things undone to have her hands look as they did now, blackened by her art. She gazed at them as if they were sculptures, not, on, not her own body. These were hands that did important things. These hands followed the will of vision, of spontaneity. They caressed dreams from the dark fold. Uh. And this felt very like I'm an artist. <laughs> I, I shop at Trader Joe's. I only uh, fair trade organic.
1: I post my paintings on Instagram.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. This was one of those moments where I was like, okay, I couldn't. I like. I don't love Suzette in this moment. <laughs> I don't care that I don't love her though. You know, I thought it was funny. I thought it was a little obnoxious. Like I, f- in this moment, I find her a little obnoxious. I don't know that I've ever met someone who thinks of themselves as an artist that isn't a little bit obnoxious, including yeah. some that I like. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this was a bit much, and it made me laugh. And I was like, "Yeah." Is this how we feel when we make art? We're just like, "Yeah." I don't like, fuck. And think about my visionary hands. Look at my visionary hands.
1: Freshly fucked. Freshly fucked.
0: Freshly fucked and the sun is shining. (sighs) What a day. Yeah. And And Suzette's
1: always guilty during that fire ritual, she's feeling guilty that she doesn't speak enough Swedish or whatever. Yeah.
0: This is also after Suzette has this like weird fucked up dream about uh, like someone she knew in school or something in high school or in elementary school or something. And then it's like she's like, you know, there's like something to do with like some burned kid. This girl from when she was in
1: the hospital when she was a kid for her crowns or whatever, there was like a burned up kid or something and like.
0: She reflected on a dream she'd had the night before. This is on page 236. In it, a friend she hadn't seen since elementary school, now grown up, told her to keep an eye out for Greta, a young woman unknown to Suzette, who was asleep in another room. She's blind, but she won't admit it, said the friend, heading for the door. Apparently, they all lived together in an apartment that, in the way of dreams, was excessively large and both resplendent and run-down, with damask-upholstered, curving couches and ceilings rotten with water stains. Greta needs assistance, but don't be fooled by her confidence. And the friend left. Uh, Dream Suzette waited for the mysterious Greta to emerge, and when she did, she realized the full extent of Greta's disabilities. Emaciated and petite, the woman... Looked as if she'd been consumed in a fire. Uh, yeah, and there's all this shit about like, you know, she doesn't have eyes, but like she has like glass prosthetics or something. And and has blah, little blah, nubs blah. for feet. And I was like, oh shit, is this foreshadowing? Is this gonna be right. Suzette? I was like, is she gonna fucking have nubs for her feet? It
1: always makes um, me always makes me think of that NoFX song, dude nubs <laughs> <laughs> we think that she's totally rad she's nubs
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is about a real person listeners anybody interested in uh punk rock or uh this history of it there was like yeah, what this... do you
0: think about this dream though? uh
1: i thought it was like Yeah, I I thought it would be some type of foreshadowing, too. At least it was leaning that way, especially because this is before the fire ritual and all that that they're about to do. Uh, So it definitely had this kind of, like... And, you know, burning is very horrific. Like, me personally, and I'm sure everybody kind of has this kind of gut reaction, when you see bad burn, like, damage on the human body, it's hard to look at. Like, it is very destructive, right? Like, it's... it's, It destroys and even if you survive something like that, right? Like you're even if you didn't get like your face burned or something, like you're horribly disfigured, like you the feeling, the nerve endings have been damaged and your body. Uh, you know, so you never feel the same way you did before. Um all that. Like it, it really damages and it's it's disturbing. Like it's a disturbing thing to picture or describe, right? You could, I mean, I'm not telling anybody to walk through a burn unit of their local ICU or something, but you know, like you will feel nauseated almost when you, especially if you see kids, you see this stuff that suffer, like like it is, it's hard to look at. So it's pretty, it would be a good foreshadowing. Right. And we get a little bit of this eventually when we find out that, yeah, Hannah does try to set her on fire. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And this is also the chapter when we see, uh, Alex, we, we sort of see Alex as he actually is, or Suzette kind of sees Alex as she, as he actually is. Hannah's just, like, tossed some picture of this witch into the fire.
1: Um, And is muttering a spell.
0: Alex sank back in his chair, tugging it closer to the fire. Suzette read exhaustion in his body and understood then how hard it had been for him, pretending for days that he wasn't upset or worried and trying to keep everyone calm. So he's been playing like the, you know, sort of like the martyr. Role, yeah right? he's being the good husband he's like shoving it down
1: there's hints of that like there's and we yeah. don't get alex's perspective so we don't see it as much but there's hints of that too so like the burden of fatherhood which is different than the burden of motherhood right, right. like this kind of things that are required that you have to do to hold it together or whatever um Mm-hmm. They're different, and you maybe if we got Alex's perspective, we would see more of that, like his internal struggle with like what he's yeah, trying to project outward and what he's trying to make sure everybody's okay and but yeah, fixing the issue. we get a
0: sense that he does enjoy being like the good dad, though, like right oh, yeah. He enjoys the adoration of his daughter, and that you know, maybe prevents him from seeing certain things, but it also probably makes it harder for him to cope with the prospect that actually that's not who she is, but whatever. So yeah, Hannah attempts to set her mother on fire. Alex walks away for a minute and Hannah just picks up a little stick and starts like flinging coals at her mom and then goes up to her Oh, yeah, because she was, like, silently trying to cast a spell. She was pointing and speaking silent words at her mother like a fucking weirdo.
1: And Alex leaves because Suzette spills her wine. And she spills it down the front of herself. And Alex gets up, so, oh, let's get a rag or something, runs into the kitchen. And uh, little girl Hannah thinks that wine is as flammable as, like, tequila or, like, some other... yeah. Like, yeah alcohol is like if you know as a child you don't understand that wine and beer do not catch fire like hard liquor does like kind of thing like so she thinks it'll burn up if she puts a flame or a spark to it and it doesn't because it's wine and so she like pokes this flaming stick that she pulls from the fire into her mother's cheek yeah
0: yeah Which is, like, when shit gets intense, I was like, oh, fuck, is she about to burn a hole, like, right into, like, right through her mom's cheek? Like, I thought that's what was happening. I was like, this is where it's going to get fucked up. This is where I'm going to get that moment. This is where shit's going to get fucking real.
1: And Suzette panics, so she brushes it away. And she has, you know, your bare hands, you're just doing it, so she's burning the shit out of her hands to, like, get these coals and stuff off of her. Right. Get the stick out of her daughter's hands. Which is, like,
0: what you do, you know, if you've, like, ever tried to, like, you know light something and it, right, you or know, you're at a campfire and something right.
1: blows on you you're like oh my god you like brush yeah. it off with your bare hands and then you burn your hands but it's better than burning like you know your face <laughs> i yeah. guess because uh, you know and and this is right after like you said the scene where she talks about how much she adored her hands how great how important her hands right. were to her and then they get destroyed because she her daughter tries to set her on fire
0: so yeah so there is foreshadowing I... Alex freaks the fuck out. He runs over. He takes Hannah, and he, like, tosses her away.
1: Right, so she hurts her wrist because he, like, and shoves so, her. Yeah, and, uh, and
0: she hurts her wrist. And then... Um,
1: sounds like the Shining, Stephen King. Everyone has to King. load
0: in the car and go to patient first.
1: Sounds like the Shining, Stephen King. He breaks everyone, Danny's yeah. breaks arms because he's just trying to get the kid out of the way and pushes him too hard or grabs him too hard. It's a kid, right? So...
0: Yeah, so everyone's freaking out. Hannah's really confused. She's like, "Why didn't this work? Why is Daddy not happy with me?" And so it's clear that like she also, I think this book does a pretty good job of while under like making us feel that this girl is like malicious, like actively malicious toward her mother, also genuinely doesn't understand certain at like like she can't conceive of her father having negative emotions toward her, which on the one hand is baffling. And on another hand is like, yeah, I could believe that for a second. She's
1: seven. Yeah. She doesn't understand. Yeah. And she's only experienced her father giving her praise and love. So she hasn't experienced what she experiences with her mother. And you see this all the time, right? Like that I think this is... when we
0: say it out loud, seems hard to buy though for seven years of yeah. parenting. You've never had a screaming child. Not once. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but that's not important. Um, so they go into like, okay, we're they go into fix it mode. They go to patient first. Both Suzette and Hannah get questioned as to whether someone in the house is hurting them, implying that Alex is an abuser. Um, they both say no. Well, no. Hannah, like, is like, what the fuck, basically. That could have
1: been an interesting plot to explore, too, if, like, the doctors report them because they think Alex is abusing his wife right. and child, and that starts getting more escalated. Because once you get the legal aspect, like, this is part of the omen, too, right? Like, the ending of the omen, where, like, he's trying to kill the child, but the cops are after him, and so he doesn't get to because there's legal, consequence, and there's legal consequences for killing your child. Like, you know, like, so that starts <laughs> happening. Like... Just add add a little bit of drama, so it could have been... But by this point, you know, it's like 300 pages in, so it's like, you know, full-length novel. You don't need... If we went into that, it would be like another 400... You know, it would be like 400, 500-page novel. But, yeah. So I understand why they didn't go into something like that, but, yeah, that was a good little... It could have been a good little twist there. But I guess it, it's meant to show structurally how... um uh, the 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 parents come together, so Alex and Suzette come together to be like, well, hold on, you know, we're a team here, and the kid is the problem, not
0: well. And Suzette is the one that's like, yeah. it's my daughter, and then the doctor's like, well, not touching this. <laughs> we're yeah. gonna, I'm gonna walk away now, because uh, it's like they're willing to deal with it if it's a husband, you know, who's abusing his, their his wife, but not if a child is the abuser, right? And if it's a problem child, they don't want to touch that. So, yep, they go back to, yeah, she feels really worried about her face.
1: Well, because at same one point, thing. yeah, at that one point nubs, he looks at her, yeah.
0: she's like, is it that bad? And he was like, holy shit, we're going to patient, like, we're going to the hospital. And she's like, we're going, let's go to patient first. It'll be faster. Like, so you get the sense it's pretty fucked up.
1: Um, I mean, a severe burn like that. Yeah. Like this isn't just like burning yourself on the stove or on some boiling water. Or yeah. No, like this is somebody flame being pushed into your cheek. Like, like yeah. Like imagine being branded. Yeah. Like, but like damage. Yeah. Forever um, scarred. Like you're going to need to get plastic surgery to remove the scar. Like no amount of you neosporin. Know, Cause once you burn down those skin cells, like they never reform. The, like you know, like it like destroys part of the body, it, it, which is horrific. It's a good trope for horror and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, it's very damaging. I mean, that's one of my dude. That's a terrible fear. Like I am always terrified if somebody's burning or something in like horror, oh, or there's God, like yeah. scars. That's there's the like certain like body stuff that just really gets me kind of squeamish, and I'm like, ugh. Oh! I'm scared. <laughs> it's scary shit.
2: Um,
1: and it does kind of like, everybody says that's vain, right? Like it's vanity. Like you do, like, cause she was already obsessed with her beauty and like not being good enough for
0: her husband. Well, and This is when she's like, uh, she tried so hard to keep herself beautiful for her husband and like, Oh my God. Like, you know, uh, like, I guess, you know, we're just kind of over that. We're done pretending to be beautiful. Like we're, or, you know, and she talks about like her disdain for people who like go out in sweatpants and shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. she's like, Well now I guess I'm that person. Basically.
1: Which is correct. Yeah, you should be disdained to people that go out in sweatpants. And, but you
0: no know, we'll fucking ever. Got churches yeah. and sweatpants. I don't give yeah. a fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, and people They're like, all
0: wearing leggings anyway.
1: Prideful, like everyone's prideful, people pride about beauty and stuff. But like, you know, I think to say that it's only pride or something like is is being unfair to what beauty means not just culturally but like to humanity like when you're a beautiful person like you know you get something out of that like right. you're almost worshipped in some regard. statues you know it's a little different into in our culture now you know you just get magazine spreads or something not building statues or whatever to you but
0: or just attention or free yeah, shit. Or... attention
1: free things you get treated nicer you know jim gaffigan had that funny bit like years ago where he's like oh,
0: you know, things life... might come more yeah. easily to you
1: yeah Jim Gaffigan has that bit, yeah. dude. He's like, uh you know, life's a little beautiful life's a little easier for the beautiful people. Can we all admit that? Like kinda like, you yeah. know, like he's <laughs> like, uh, you know, you got a little easier than everybody else. Like it gets you something. Like it's not just this, oh like and I get, you know, okay, it's a bad character flaw if that's all you care about. But like to say that it's not a real concern that everybody has all the time and it isn't just culturally enforced, it's more than that kind of thing. Like there's a right. little bit of stuff ingrained in us. So it just adds to the you know, the kind of uh but we do get the sense we do get the elements.
0: sense though that she was like someone who's like, Uh, look at this. Yeah. Look at the art of these like, you know these poor school kids yeah at i mean poor I, school I, i'll be honest look our, at these our, look at these schlubby people
1: i'll be honest it made me like suzette more uh when, when yeah, I, she's very, I mean stuff, like yeah. so
0: for somebody who is like very you know we get the sense that this is like a very little like liberal like family but they're a little <laughs> they're a little posh
1: yeah everybody um, is
0: yeah um they have their judgments. Because
1: the most people that are buying Coach bags can't afford buying Coach bags, right? Yeah. Okay, like, but like everybody buys them. But like, well, yeah,
0: you know who I, I, the one place where I feel like I always saw Coach bags was like in high school, dude. Well,
2: that was when it, was it first always blew like, up. High yeah. school
0: girls like with Coach bags. I don't see that. I don't see that as much anymore. Then again, we're not. People in high still school, have so. different designer bags. Yeah. Um.
1: Coach kind of fell out of fashion after we got out of high school for a little while.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I guess cause it was bought by that big company after it got that huge blow up and they just started putting it everywhere. Like I live in Vegas. Oh, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. if you walk oh, through yeah. any of the casino, you know, my, so whenever my wife and I go out or something, we go to the casinos cause that like on the strip is where all the nice restaurants are and like the the shows and, and you know, concerts, comedy show, you know, whatever it is we're going to. And, uh, you know, you just walk around there and it's, it's like, I don't know what the fuck we were just talking about. I just lost my. Coach bags. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's coach stores. Like, if you walk through the malls, every They were never that good. Dude, and they're always empty. Like, there's nobody shopping in them, but there's these big glass displays of, like, $1,500 purses, $5,000 purses, like, backpacks, like... $10,000 Ten thousand yeah. dollar luggage sets and I'm just like no who is buying like no who one. is going in there to like how do these stores make rent? Like it's very expensive to pay rent to be in one and of the But like, that's not even the brand.
0: That's not even the brand people are buying anymore. It's not a hot brand anymore. But it was them, coach man. bags and it was coach bags and like Vera Bradley and like uh, you know North Vase quarter zips. That's what it was. Low rise yeah. jeans.
1: Yeah, we should bring leatherized jeans should come back, dude. Low-rise no, jeans dude, are good. they're
0: awful. They are. They you know, are. I guess not they're hard flattering. to wear. Flattering? They are yeah. not flattering on a majority of people. Right, they should stay yeah. gone. The high-waisted jean uh, is suitable for everyone. It's doing us all a favor. Let's just keep it toward. Let's keep it in the middle. we we're, we're we're denim centrists. We want what is most flattering for most people
1: <laughs> i always think of uh the the the, the low-rise jeans always makes me think of uh jessica biel and um the texas chainsaw remake in like the early 2000s oh, yeah we were, like, but it makes
0: me think of like britney spears current instagram spears. posts oh yeah oh, like because yeah. she we still wears yeah. them <laughs> and it palms me out and it's just like you are spinning Doing the angles you're kind of hysterical, like you might be crying, you might be laughing. I don't know what's up, I feel bad. Like, I but also, like, get higher jeans, like, it's just it looks like you're living well, in 2002 and yeah. like, you need to update this look. Britney's she never a special updated case, her yeah. look.
1: Britney's a spe- well, I mean, except it, for that
0: time when she shaved her head, but after it's, that, uh, she grew it back and she never quite updated her look beyond yeah.
1: 2006 well for her it's like you know we don't have to get into britney's uh, stuff but it's like she's it's a test case it's like literally a prime example is why you should never make your kid a child star because yeah. they're just going to be fucked up forever like literally severely mentally handicapped because of uh
0: well yeah because i mean also it's like extraordinary that she survived like 2008 you know I remember talking to my dad about it, and him being like, "My God, like, that's another thing. Leave this chick alone." Like-
1: that's another good thing when, like, the mob, mob. Like kind of fervor where everybody was, like Oh my god, we gotta save Brittany, we gotta save Brit. She's being abused or whatever. And now we saved Britney and what is she doing? She's posting nudes on us. Like that's literally all oh, she's yeah. doing. Is like doing crazy shit oh, that it's we're all like sad. <gasps> It just
0: she feels, she's one of those Exactly it's like sad. Emotionally <laughs> a little bit stunted to me. And I think it's probably true of a lot of like Hollywood child stars oh like, my god yes I'm example sure really, really after example dude yeah. like
1: you just every child star like okay aaron carter just
0: she literally just you know. does her choreographed spin yeah. with her arms up like this
2: right
0: in her really low-rise jeans but at an angle that's like above tilted down so you can see her whole body and her legs look long but it's really weird it looks like it looks like you're like a 16 year old trying to post a sexy picture for the first time because MySpace just became a thing. Or...
1: It's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a teenage girl that just discovered that she can use sex to manipulate or get what she wants type thing. Like that's how yeah. Britney's behaving now as a 40 year old mother of three or whatever that she's not allowed how to see. Did we she get lost here. Cost...
0: How did we get here though? Britney yeah. Spears, low rise jeans. We got from low rise jeans to Britney Spears. What was yeah. before low rise jeans?
1: um sees that being like pompous and or judgmental of like poor people or uh
0: and then brands and then things that were cool into like 2006 coach bags okay i understand the progression yeah it happens (laughs) all right it's just like is this relevant to something
1: and you see, like you see Jessica Biel, and then Texas but yeah, anyway, Massacre remake, and you're just like those yeah, are all of my jeans. reasons
0: why low-rise jeans shouldn't come back. They're yeah. not flattering on anyone our age, and not flattering exactly. on most people who should be wearing them. Yeah, like so you know, they're it's pretty flattering
1: very... on Jessica Biel in that movie. Yeah, like...
0: <laughs> they're flattering on a size zero. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, so you go you go watch that movie, and, and then tell me that Jessica Biel isn't hot as shit in those.
0: No, uh, yeah, because well, yeah. Jessica Biel is hot as shit. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. She
0: also has. Well, you know, like if you, uh, okay, again, not trying to be a dick. If you look at Britney Spears, she's not like a particularly curvy, like curvy person, right? Like she is pretty straight with narrow hips, right? She's got sort of.
1: Very normal, like nothing. like Yeah.
0: But like not, you know, she's like very feminine, but her figure isn't like, you know, very hourglass.
1: Yeah, average. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's the shape that, I mean, like, you have to have very, you have to be, right. like, a narrow person, basically. You have to be have, the,
1: yeah. Well, it's not, model. I guess
0: it's not even that. You just have to have, like, no. Love handles. <laughs> love handles. You've got to have no belly. You've yeah. got to have no meat on those love handles. Right, yeah. All right, I don't care, like, it doesn't matter if you're a dude. Or a girl. That, like, that's hard to you do past to also the age of Except yeah. they're not going to stay up. So you have yeah. to have a good enough, like, top ass. You know? And no one has that. It's just like, it's just your crack. Like. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. Like, did you ever look at that and go, yeah, fuck yeah. That's some good crack. Like, when you know, I see, it, like, When
1: I could see a beautiful, like when, he, when I could, like, when I could see a hot woman's ass crack in low rise jeans, did I ever think
0: like oh yeah i want to i want to slide my dick in that crack (laughs) yes (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) because i see that and i'm like no
2: (sighs) yeah
0: like because i never want to see the top of a dude's ass crack i want to see full ass or no ass like the whole thing or none (sighs) of it because there's no good way
1: yeah it does obscure it some but yeah
0: but I mean, there's nothing in it for me. It's just right. like the top of a, a male ass. I'd rather see a man's thigh than see his the top of his crack.
1: Dang, short shorts over low rise What's the Oh, 100 percent,
0: hundred percent.
1: Get those six inch inseams, boys, and uh... they're great.
0: <laughs> Trying to talk my husband into it all the time. Great looks.
1: The short, the short, the short shorts. They're not even that short, but they are more, like, kind of normal. Like, the baggy... They, we they were should be mid-thigh.
0: They should be mid-thigh. Yeah,
1: so about that six-inch to eight-inch inseam yeah. for a lot of it's men. It's a bit long. We can talk yeah. men's fashion. Anybody, uh, listeners, yeah. in the next Q&A, you can ask me. I'm very Unless
0: you're obscenely tall and have really long thighs, eight inches is too long, boys.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I understand also, I feel like you're a little you're like you know a little heavier as a guy you don't want to show off you they know, like also floppy, make them too legs. narrow i
0: think like
1: yes as somebody that has i think that's legs.
0: a i think that's a problem well yeah me too yeah. like you know I, I find this to be constantly an issue i know very few women who don't also have this problem but yeah right like they're also too narrow they shouldn't like i don't always want fitted shorts and i don't think men do either and they should be short kind of wide give you enough room to give you a breeze like i want to personally i want to be able to buy men's shorts that are a decent length for me that are comfortable
1: yeah i've read a few interesting articles for like uh trans uh trans men that like when they're trying to buy clothes because they have a more like female body Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's probably really they have to
1: yeah they have to get stuff tailored i mean depending on again like because like yeah we're all
0: you know of varying proportions right but yeah women tend to have wider hips
1: right so like the and especially in proportion to to the the rest of your
0: body that's why like if you buy a men's t-shirt as a woman um in a size that like actually fits your body you know and not like a size bigger than you need it might be really tight around your, like, hips, right? Because yeah. it doesn't flare out at all for you right. to accommodate for that. That's why it might be tight around your tits because, you know, men have wider shoulders, so it accommodates that, but probably not mm-hmm. more chest space. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am a big fan of some of the unisex fashion uh, choices the industry is is making it is going well for me in that regard. yeah
1: sophie likes to wear men's clothing so
0: yeah i like i wear a lot of men's clothing i'm wearing a men's t-shirt right now i
1: fact. would we just I bought these yeah i just can't fit into women's clothes like there is no me i mean i'm sure
0: into, you know legs. just all it takes is the right moo-moo man
1: <laughs> maybe yeah, i guess i could fit into a very you large, could fit it
0: you could fit yeah. into a kilt and it would be fine but we would kilt, make assumptions yes, about but... you and that's but like, a, like a different, like you technically need to move.
1: Male. Yeah, like kilt is technically a men's garment, but it's like.
0: And then you also just like have to accept that you're part of that club and we're all going to think things about you now. Yeah, like, like... like you go to Ren Fairs now, and that's fine.
1: Yeah, you go to Ren Fairs or you're like Jonathan Davis or something from Corn or whatever, right? Like...
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> Get some tattoos and, you know, like you got enough tattoos. Pull yeah. off kilt we we'll just be like, oh, he likes punk rock. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I could pull off some things, but like I just, yeah, women's, like even during like the emo craze, you know how like You're they pink
0: w- enough that someone's going to assume you're yeah. Scottish, you know?
1: They would, uh you know, like either the emo craze and stuff when we were growing up, like the guys buying girls jeans, like I just couldn't, like I could not fit into them. Oh like, yeah. And we loved <laughs> like, that too.
0: Yeah.
1: I could not wear women's jeans because I just can't fit into.
0: Them. Yeah. But neither could I. I. That's why I ripped them all the time. But, I guess people um, don't
1: know this, but I, I'm a very large person. <laughs> I'm very large. Uh, so it's not.
0: Um, well, maybe you should I've qualify always that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I give my measurements. No, it's like uh, I, I just. So finding clothes off the rack is just difficult, period. Like
0: Yeah. But what we mean by a bigger person is that you're like, you're tall and you're wide. Like you're not yes. like. <laughs> like <laughs>
2: yes. Uh,
0: not, um, you know. Like, supremely overweight.
1: No, I'm about 30 pounds overweight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm about normal. I'm about average.
1: Yeah. I'm, like, 30 pounds too heavy. Yeah, I'm, like... So, yeah.
0: I mean, I could... You know, I wouldn't not look better with a little lipo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. But I'm fine.
1: (laughs) As I age, I'm like... "Uh."
0: you know but only from the stubborn places you know like the thighs like that's just never gonna change yeah anyway baby teeth
1: (laughs) yeah we talked about on the end yeah we we talked about this the end and the end is basically they send her to like some like they put her in an institution basically yeah
0: they they have like an emergency meeting with their therapist and the therapist is like well we might be looking at like a sociopath or a psychopath you know right And they're a combination of horrified and like relieved, you know, which is, that makes sense, right? Uh, That's, you know, what happens with a diagnosis, right? Like you have a word for the problem.
1: There's that last couple scenes where they put Hannah into the institution and Suzette and Alex are so relieved. Like there's this relief. That like, and they're
0: just, and they're like fucking on the kitchen table because that's right. what happens whenever they're relieved. It lets like their marriage is renewed, and that's yeah. also like an interesting. I mean, maybe we should be taking I, it for what it is at surface level, but I think it's like uh, a, an interesting point of discussion of like, well, oh, when the child leaves, like there is supposed like maybe I, this like renewal of.
1: I think it is something real too so she's getting at that same type of thing like the burden of motherhood the resentment of the child well because when you have a child in a in a relationship or a marriage it does change the relationship you know right like there's now a third person involved so it's like it does change and I think a lot of people I think this leads to a lot of divorce, this leads to a lot of separations and stuff because like you are forever changed now. And not just you, not just physically, your body, your hormones, whatever for a woman or stuff, but the actual relationship with, you know, the father and or your husband. Well, or I think that's like.
0: also the thing that's really interesting here is that we keep getting these glimpses throughout the story that like actually the thing that like Hannah or not Hannah, Suzette never really wanted a child, it seems like. And like yeah. she just she was just like doing it because she, you know,
1: that's what you were supposed to do. right? That was like, the next yeah. thing.
0: Like we never really get into that. Like we don't hear anything about her much about her pregnancy or about her decision to have a kid or, you know, we don't get any of that. We just get what came after and her being like, you know, I wanted her not to look like me. I wanted her to look like Alex. I wanted her to just be like the perfect vision of, like, Alex's, you know, little child. Like, I wanted to look at this child and see
1: Because she husband. views herself as less than Alex, right? So she views herself as, like, never living up to what Alex can do. And and this is all, like, it's exaggerated for the story. It's exaggerated for the drama of it. But, like, it's all very real things. This is the great thing about books, novels, literature, art, like, movies, things that we love about it, right? Because it does capture that little element, even if it's exaggerated, even if it's taken to an extreme. It captures this very real element, this very real dynamic that everybody has to deal with when they, you know, you're in a marriage and you have a child. Or even if you're not in a marriage, you're just in a relationship and you have a child now because it is this new thing. And there is, you know, it's not like, oh, I regret it. It's not like that necessarily, although there is some of that, right? Sylvia Plath, that. right? Sylvia Plath, everybody. Well, um, I would say there's some of that but, in
0: this book for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, but it is there. Like it's 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 a little, it's a light maybe we say it resentment light like a little diet resentment right like <laughs> right. no calories uh just a little bit of it uh and it's just in the back of your head you know and and it's so human it's so normal it's so real yeah. that it adds to the story so you exaggerate it for the story but it touches that part that makes us compelled to keep going kind of thing because it feels real it feels you know and again you don't want to talk about this and I get most people don't want to talk about it publicly Sophie and I don't have kids so we're (laughs) we can talk about it like we like (laughs) we don't actually have to deal with this but yeah
0: because we yeah and I don't know about you but like I've had friends who've like talked about having a moment of like why did I do this yeah why did I decide that I needed a child you know yeah especially if they're creative people
1: right it's so normal yeah um I always think of that scene in the Sex and the City movie, the first one where didn't watch uh, it. uh, Never mind. Anyway, (laughs) the the one girl, the the attractive one, what's her name? Uh, The dark haired one. She uh, uh, Charlotte, I think is her name.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: know. She. There's just a scene where she has kids in that because it's like the end of the series or whatever. I've watched the entire series, right? But uh, yeah, I've not. You know, she has these two kids, and they're overwhelming her, and she's home in this nice apartment and her you know her husband's away, and she's just so overwhelmed that she just locks herself in the pantry and cries like by herself or whatever, you know, and like people i the reason I talk about that scene and I still remember is just because it's so real, you know, like it's just such a real like you reach that point where like you just can't physically handle anymore. and you just need like that five seconds alone in the in the yeah, locked dude. pantry a where your kids are like banging on the door calling for you and you just need to like, Cry because you're so fucking worked up and overwhelmed about, like, you know, not that it sucks, but just like what it requires. Like, it takes a lot out of you. And then you can resent that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can resent that because, and it's normal to do that, right? So, but yeah. But yeah. So, it's like this book's kind of about it.
0: Yeah. Doctor recommends that they send Hannah away. And they're like, whoa, how long? You know? And she's like, listen, this is going to be a while um hannah doesn't realize that she's being sent away right she thinks they're on this nice drive blah 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 and then her she realizes that like all of her stuff is there and that her parents are actually driving away you know and that she's been left behind i thought about that
1: like the ending what do we think
0: um it was fun i mean so Well, this is the thing that prompts Hannah to speak, right? In a normal voice to both of her parents. So she has the person she refers to as brown teeth, which was fun. Yeah. Um, Help her call her parents. She's like pleading with them and saying, I'll be good now. I promise. It's me. It's Hannah. Blah, blah, blah. They're like, what the fuck? You're talking now? And then they feel guilty and they feel sad. And they're like, no, you can't come home. And the whole time, Hannah understands that she is trying to come home so that she can continue to kill, like, try to kill her mother, right? That's what's behind everything. She wants to hang out with Daddy, and she wants to kill Mommy. And it ends on this note of, like, you know, we have to be very good right now so that we can get home, so that we can kill Mommy. And that's a fun place to leave it, I think.
1: Yeah. I was a little disappointed me too i wanted something huge like i wanted her to like burn right. down that that school or something like just burn down that right. institution or something like
0: yeah just, i mean yeah. we both wanted like we i that was the thing i think we both wanted we wanted some something of huge consequence to happen and obviously like attacking your mom with fire is a pretty yeah. big fucking deal right for a book like this though you do like expect it to kind of go there Right? Yeah. Like what we've been saying, like you do expect like, oh, fuck, like this went to the next level of fucked up. Um, because it's a book and books can do that. And we like it. We like to yeah. read people's dirty laundry. We want to read. We only want to read it if it's a really fucked up story. Um We yeah. hate reading about happy people because it's boring.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it would just oh, yeah. make you hate the main character. I'm just happy all the time. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, it makes nobody's me Nobody's real happy. people. Do you want to um, hit some of these book club questions in the back?
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's hear the book club <laughs> questions. So my copy didn't come with book club questions. Yeah, and, these and are...
1: mine... Being the paperback, you know, the mass market kind of paperback that they put out after the hardcover, because those that know this, a lot of our listeners probably do, right? The publishing industry, you make most of the money off the hardcovers, uh, unless you're Stephen King or somebody that sells a fuckload of copies no matter what. But, uh, you know, that's why they do the hardcover edition first, because usually you can make charge more money for that and make more. And then they'll do the mass market paperback after but, maybe like a year to six months after the release of the hardcover.
0: But often you will later find the hardcover for cheaper used, which is fun.
1: Yeah, it's nice. And the hardcovers are nice and you know, they hold up better and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But yeah, um, so this one in my version, of the paperback has... Uh, You know, kind of like mom book club questions in the back. Because, you know, big books do that. Like a lot of Stephen King paperbacks you read will have, you know, book club discussions or something. Uh, And so Sophie and I were just laughing at a few of them. Because a lot of them are service level, but a lot of them are good. The first one is, is Hannah misunderstood, mentally ill, or evil? Do you have any comparison or empathy? Any compassion or empathy for her? She must
0: be one of these and not all three. No combination. Um...
1: Clearly, the child's just evil. I mean, at least that's what's implied. And <laughs>
0: probably mentally ill. Yeah. I mean, if you're that evil, there's probably kind of something wrong with you, right? Like, there's something that she is missing. <laughs> you know, unable to connect with her mother. Like, there's something going on there. But
2: yeah, I don't. Bitch, I think dude.
0: probably a little misunderstood, only on account of she can't speak or chooses not to so yeah at various points in the novel she's definitely misunderstood yeah some of these questions are probably just they're just meant to you know prompt you to think a little bit about the themes of the book and all of the themes are pretty much motherhood
1: and I'm all, f- I'm for it, dude. Like, you know, even though we'll, we laugh at some of these questions and stuff, yeah, but like, you know, we're on a different, like I'm, you know, mom book clubs are, I'm all for it. They sell books. They like books. It makes people read books and talk about books. Like I'm all for anything, any type of little group or club that's down for that. So I can't harp on it too badly. Shit. These are mostly the people that buy books anyway. So yeah, dude. it's like the only audience left, but besides people like us, but yeah. Do you think Suzette bears any responsibility for Hannah's naughty behavior? Has she been an instigator of any kind?
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that's too difficult to question, right? Like, I mean, if you are gonna answer that, like, what's the correct? Is there a correct answer to this? Well, I mean, not mean,
1: necessarily correct, but if you, just, I mean, it's a fucking it's a made up story, but like, you know, that I said that first scene where Suzette, where uh, Hannah punches that little baby, and then she gets rewarded anyway. So, like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Suzette's kind of actions tend to be a little vengeful, and I guess they justify that by like straight up Hannah being so horribly behaved. But yeah, there
0: were moments where I was like, "God, Suzette."
1: And I think that does make it makes the guiltiness. Also, like when they talk about
0: Hannah in front of her, like as though she doesn't understand, even though they seem to know that she understands words, (laughs) is kind of weird to me. Like they talk about her while she's in the room in the third person. Yeah. Which is uncomfortable for anyone, including children.
1: Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, yeah, like this kind of, I mean, I see this all the time. I mean, it's basic behavior patterns and structure. I mean, if your kid's straight up that ill or that evil, it's not going to um, make a difference. Because like, yeah. you see them trying to do some of that. What you would, you know, textbook, how do you reinforce good behavior and punish bad behavior? Uh, my experience with this thing is I don't have children, although I have younger nieces and nephews um, where, yeah, like you have to correct the behavior. My experience is mostly like dog training. Everyone just laughs at that. Like, oh, it's dog training. It's like, yeah, but it's the same thing. Like, it's like you're reinforcing the behaviors you want with reward. And then like you're punishing or, you know, you know, taking something away for bad behavior. Yeah. I mean, this is just basically, this is what's expected of you. This is what, you know. And, you know, as a kid, that takes a long time. So you take years to do that with a child. But, yeah, I mean, I do this all the time. Do I correct, like, my little, little kids around me all the time. And sometimes I'm just like, I'll look at people. I'm like, are you going to correct your kid or do I have to? Because your kid's clearly acting out. Like, <laughs> like tell them to stop. <laughs> like, be Like, you will be punished if you do not stop. But, yeah, whatever, people get mad at that. I mean, oh, parenting's so hard. So, like, yeah, it is hard, dude, but, like, does that mean you just can't do it? Uh, so, yeah, I would say there's definitely, and, and not just Suzette either. I mean, I think Alex has responsibility, and that's the very next question. Like, his, it's Alex's responsibility for Hannah's behavior. And it's like yes, of course he does. Yeah. His kind of being blissfully ignorant, um not trusting his wife, his partner in this, to the extent where he's like denying what she's telling him, and then that that affects their relation, relationship. Relationship because now Suzette is like scared to tell him what she thinks right. because she thinks he won't believe her. So there's that loss of trust. There's that loss of stability in the relationship. Like there's, you know, and and it's like oh, whose fault is it? Yeah, it's easy to. Say. It's all of theirs. You know, it's both their fault. Yeah. Uh, and then there's you know Hannah's fault as well for uh, acting out in this way, which because there is an interesting thing where I think uh, stage does this in the book where she allows us to see that Hannah knows what good behavior is and she knows what bad behavior is, right? Like what's right. expected of her and then what she does. So like you know Hannah isn't innocent in this either. People go, oh she's a child. It's like yeah, but like seven, six, that's the age of reason. Like we know this. Like if your child's seven and they're still misbehaving, like they know what they're doing. Like yeah. They start understanding. It isn't like a five-year-old, four-year-old not understanding anymore. It's like, yeah, okay, you understand what's expected. You understand the rules, behavior, courtesies, manners, like all of that. You've experienced it, seen it. But, yeah, I mean, we don't have to go through all this shit. But, yeah, just an idea of some of these uh, book club questions. If you get book club questions in the back of your book, I mean, shit, you probably made it as a writer. You know, like, like, uh, yeah, you've probably Um. made it.
0: Yeah, and then, I mean, what do you think happens next with Hannah? Can she be successfully treated? I mean, let's play the game of if we were to see a follow-up book. If we were to see, you know... 20 years from now. Yeah, let's say... Well, let's say it's less than that. Let's say we have teenage Hannah now. Let's say, like, we have... Between high school and college age, Hannah.
2: Right.
1: I would say no.
0: Can she be successfully treated? You'd say no. Do yeah. you think she still wants to kill her mom? Or has she moved on to, like, other people and other... Because now she understands how complicated, you know, relationships work. And, you know, maybe... Um. Is she still like out to get Suzette? Shit! Is she still out to marry her father, <laughs> mm-hmm. or ha- have we let go of this particular complex?
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I it's think hard she to hangs say, on but... to
0: the resentment towards her mother. Probably yeah. has a new resentment towards her father for abandoning her because he was the one that she loved
1: and the reason I say this also, I mean, I get it. This is a fictional story, right? We're not talking about a real person, but just like my intuition on it is just when they say treatment for stuff like this, like when kids and even adults get institutionalized to it, like we really don't have good treatments for a lot of this. So that it kind of, right. I've, I've heard some things of like schools that specialize in severe autism and things like that. So you have kids that will have fits right in the middle of classrooms or something. There is some reforming that out of them. But then again, they're not having like psychopathic thoughts to kill their parents. They're just having, like, well,
0: there's, you know, they're not missing. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're. It's not like... um,
1: And what they do at a lot of those schools, from what I understand, is it's just kind of like the basic stuff, like reinforcing behavior. So if a child starts having the tantrum, there's a reward system. We're not talking about tantrums.
0: We're talking about issues with showing and um, expressing empathy
1: right and it's just kind of like yeah like you're you're not allowed to behave this way and Uh, you know eventually if you go to a special school like that and you have severe kind of autism it does help Like, there's been studies there's been results we can point to where it does help people learn to deal with that kind of uh, i think hannah
0: becomes a very successfully manipulative adult
1: yeah like a fortune 500 ceo or something
0: yeah
2: (laughs) totally
1: yeah, like those business people, they're fucking ruthless, man. Ruthless people. Uh I struggle with that sometimes, too. I'm always a little naive. I'm like, damn, these people are ruthless. Like <laughs> these yeah. people are way more ruthless than I could ever be. Like I just couldn't be that ruthless. Uh But a lot of people are. So there's that uh yeah, I don't know. You know, this is mom talk, dude, over some wine at a book club or whatever.
0: I one think. Yeah. I think she'd be really good at getting the adoration she wants from people. Yeah,
1: like if we saw her as a teenager and she starts manipulating like the boys around her and stuff like that, yeah. that could be an interesting book. I yeah. wonder if uh, Zosia is going to uh, put a new one out there eventually with like a sequel. That would be fun because nobody dies in the end. You would expect yeah. like something big, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought she was going to burn a hole through right through her mother's face.
1: Yeah. You know, as a writer, dude, like, you know, everybody, oh, write a sequel. It's like, yeah, dude, but like, you do a project and then you're, you're kind of done you're with done. it. Like, you're like, yeah, you're like, you look, I like did this a... project.
0: Yeah. I spent
1: a couple years on it. Maybe I'll come back in 10 years. You know, like Stephen King, like, he like, writes a couple books and then he'll come out with like a sequel. He's, and like, whenever people ask him, he's just like, ah, you know, I just felt like revisiting that character. Like, I was just kind of sitting around, ah, you know, what should I write next? But, ah, I'll go write a sequel. Like, I was like, what they're doing now? What are they doing now, 20 years later? Like, what are they doing? You know, and you could do that but we said on our stephen king episode like it usually doesn't end well if you're gonna write a sequel like 10 20 30 years later (laughs) it's what was harper lee's right wrote one fucking book and then wrote a sequel to that like 60 years later and it was terrible and, (laughs) and then died like so it was just like okay um but yeah Overall, you know, I enjoyed it. We're going to yeah. link it in the description as always. You buy yourself a copy, give it a read.
0: Really recommend. Uh, um, add really it to fun. your
1: library. Yeah. And she has a lot of books out. we haven't read other ones, but like Sophie said, she bought her second book. Um, there's, I think she's got three or four out now because this was 2018. Yeah, she hopefully like you actually
0: them. read this one and we didn't just like ruin it for you. No, it's you a pretty didn't. fun one
1: no spoilers on this podcast this podcast doesn't give a fuck about spoilers yeah, dude like y'all it's, can
0: suck yeah. it. yeah i'm gonna Spo- go i'm yeah. gonna go read wonderland and she has another book that came out after wonderland it came out more recently i don't remember what it was called but
1: it was like probably,
0: uh, probably find that one too
1: motherhood or something no,
0: i think it was something very like it was uh, let me look it up real quick
1: but anyway, yeah, if you're interested, I think she does, uh, based on this novel, at least, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, she has the chops, she has the storytelling ability, and clearly Get away. is, Get away yeah, is better to, than most of the pop stuff, where you're going to have to have a lot of kind of eye-rolling moments, if you're somebody like us that reads a lot of literary stuff on top of, you know, the pop stuff, but yeah i think it's good i'm glad that she's doing oh, some shit, success right. with this
0: um there's another one that's coming out um called mothered yeah and that's coming yeah. out next year
1: yeah and i saw i think I, I saw that online when i was looking up so yeah she's put one out basically every yeah, year yeah she and, has uh, pretty much I mean, people that listen to this podcast, I assume most of our audience members are people that are trying to be writers or, you know, really just really like this stuff. But yeah, if you're a writer, a contemporary writer, and you're not a teacher, like you don't have some other job, yeah, you need to be putting out a book a year or you will not make a living, right? Even if that book doesn't sell, you just need the advance money that you're going to get from like a publisher, like a big publisher that's going to want to sell these copies. So, yeah, you basically, if you don't put out a book a year as a writer, well, those the days of, of maybe being a writer and living off that, like, just not possible anymore. Unless, you know, you hit it big like a Stephen King or a J.K. Rowling or something. And even they are still putting out books every year. J.K. Rowling never stopped. You know, she's putting out like those, you know, the the sixth version of those like detective novels she writes now. Like, so, you know. That's just how you. That's just how it works now. Is that you got to be able to get your chops up to a point. If you don't have another job to write as for a living, you just have to be putting out a novel a year. I have a a feeling I'm gonna
0: read all of these, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, you should. Like, I mean, we're obsessives here. We like. I like being a completist. I like reading everybody's work, like an entire author's. Also, it's like
0: yeah. Once you find an author that you really like, and you're like, oh yeah, I flew through that book. You're gonna want to read the rest of them. Right. Um
1: and as yeah. always buy the book buy the book support it because this is if you like books well this is the only way it works man be like oh i like books i just don't like to buy them it's like oh, okay well then the industry is going to disappear or they're only going to publish books that you don't like you know they're going to publish the books that you're not buying so which we run into a little bit here is like the market is kind of yeah, i don't know i mean i guess i can get all into that like Maybe I'm just bitter as I'm in that moment where I'm searching for agents and shit like that. But it's just, like, all these people that claim to understand the market, like, that claim that they know what sells, like, all these agents, all these editors. I'm just like, yeah, if you know so well, then why isn't every book a bestseller? Like, if you know this market so goddamn well, then why are you have so many fucking flops on your – like, you know? Like, I just – like, either you guys have terrible taste or you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't – I just don't understand, like – whatever like i said I, if i talk about it, it just comes off bitter kind of sour grapes so i don't want to go into it too much but i guess we're done here we hit everything yeah yeah all right uh reminder to listeners we're still looking for those workshop horror stories send those into a uh, heavyboard podcast at com. We also have that subscription plan available subscribe at patreon.com slash heavyboard to receive full uncensored episodes bonus episodes extras interviews all that good stuff uh, only for subscribers uh, and then support us leave us a five-star review or wherever you get your podcast that helps us out like share subscribe uh, subscribe to our YouTube channels like share all that good stuff and uh, that helps us grow has been heavy board
0: and i'm freshly fucked and the sun is (laughs) (laughs) shining.
2: heavy board heavy i am heavy 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 board Swats, pal. Pal, I do.